Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Jonathan Hutton of Outkick360 and Outkick.com. We will get Hutton's take on the National Football League as well as some college football off of Tennessee's big win over Alabama over the weekend. Plenty to discuss when Hutton joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as we will check in with Coach Bo with his thoughts uh, on all things NFL and, and college football, get his picks against the spread this week as well uh, when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we have our uh, Tom Fullery story of the week. We'll go uh, inside the Big 12 Conference with our Big 12 breakdown. All of that and more coming up on today's show. I am pleased to be joined for the very first time making his debut. We've talked about him enough on this show as a as a friend of the show and, and somebody that we've made references about. Uh, I would say, folks, uh, if you know this show for, for a while, um, it, it feels like that we're we're pulling the curtain back a bit. You're you're finally going to hear a voice to match a name that we've referred to from time to time. Uh, a, a good friend of both Thomas Bridges and I's, uh, Jose Soto, is here with us, uh, filling in for Thomas Bridges this week. Uh, Jose, welcome, glad to have you here, my friend. And uh, I know you've been listening to this show for a long time, and uh, good to have you on this side of it uh, here with us this week, man. No, thanks, Jones. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's the pleasure's all mine, my friend. I mean, this is uh, definitely my debut on a podcast, so can't say I've ever done this before. But hey, there's always a first for everything, right? There is a first for everything. Uh, you're absolutely right about that, Jose. Uh, and I'm glad that we could be the first uh, for you to be on here with us this week, man. <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the business of the day and all that, but. Jose, I mean, you know me. I always love being on the road and everything. Uh, you know, I'm a traveling man. But I got to tell you, I'll be honest. Uh, me being on the road this week for a fall wedding, uh, I have a question for you. I know that that you come from a Catholic family and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very curious. This is my first ever Catholic wedding I'm attending this weekend. Kansas <laughs> plays at 11 a.m., the wedding starts at noon. How much of this Kansas Baylor game am I actually going to get to see? Oh man, you said the game starts at noon, right? And no, the game starts at 11. at eleven. The wedding starts at noon. Oh man, you might just catch, if anything, maybe a quarter. You <laughs> might have to be there. <laughs> you might have to be there a little bit early to, you know, catch a good spot. Um, but yeah, probably about a quarter. <laughs> just be ready to keep, you know. When you go to church, I mean, you've probably gone to a Catholic church before, right? Oh, uh, I've gone once, yes. So you know how how it is, man. It's just it, it, you're sitting, you're standing, you're kneeling, you're, you know, you do a lot of a lot of movements throughout the wedding. It's like a, a whole exercise, man. I kid you not. <laughs> okay, so it might be tough trying to watch this on my phone too, behind the uh, <laughs> behind a, a seat of some sort. <laughs> Oh, you might want to hide it somewhere, you know, in a Bible, maybe somewhere in there. <laughs> would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, just you know, it's. I mean, you're, you're definitely gonna miss out on it. I think it's gonna be a good one too. Oh man, uh, that's not the news I wanted to hear. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the cardinal rule. Now, granted, Jose and I, neither one, and, and you're gonna get to know Jose more throughout the show today, folks. But 
neither one of us are, are married and have been married, but I, I can tell you this right now. Um, whenever that day comes, whether that's a year from now or 20 years from now, I don't, I don't care what it is. Um, I can guarantee you a, a fall wedding on a Saturday is not in my playbook, in, is not in my DNA. <laughs> it's not happening under any circumstance whatsoever. I despise these things. I have to go because it's my friend Dominic Aragon, uh, my my podcast co-host on Let's Go Racing. Uh, great family. I'm very happy for him and everything. Um, I have to be there, but I mean, I, I will state my grievances, and I'm going begrudgingly. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll try not to make. I'll try to make sure it's not a fall wedding. Whenever I. I do have one because, you know, that that's something I, I do agree with you, man. It's tough. Like whenever, you know, fall weddings, you might throw it on a weekend and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, man, like crap. Like it's a, you know, <laughs> top top five matchup. It's like you didn't even think about it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's at least got to be on Friday. I mean, Saturday? I mean, good. you can't even do Sunday either, man, with, with NFL football as well, with <laughs> fantasy and everything going on. It's just, it's red zone all day. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll be honest. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not the, I'm not even close to a perfect Christian by any means. Um, but <laughs> I struggle even just getting to church on Sunday uh, on NFL. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no i feel you that's that's my thing with it too man it's you know i've told i've i got a girlfriend and her name's uh Damatis, and you know i i go with her to church sometimes and i try to I pick a good you know service time of of that way we'll be out and i can catch you know maybe i'll miss maybe for the first 20 minutes 30 minutes but man i'm in some some really good leagues where I'm just like I've got to be there. I got to check out the red zone. I got to check out these games. It's, you know, it's just I don't know, man. I I feel you. I feel you on that. Oh, it's a it's a whole nother base. It's a different animal, but nonetheless, I'm happy for Dominic. I'm glad that uh, I can be there. Um, you know, I, I I say this all in good fun, but nonetheless, uh, I, I do still hold that against uh, him to an extent that he posted. <laughs> And and I know there were some other circumstances, but nonetheless, uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll move on. Jose, uh, this week in the uh, the NFL, not the best slate of games by any stretch. In fact, I would say this is probably the worst slate of games the entire year so far. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm just disappointed. And it goes to another question I have. I mean, kind of a big picture here, Jose. As much as I enjoy the league. And, you know, the, the, the product on the field, uh, you know, the, the NFL always finds a way to have close games here. I, I feel like that what we're seeing as a whole just around the league, and, and you would know watching Red Zone every week too, uh, is I'm glad football's back and we're seven, you were what, six, seven weeks in now. But I, I still felt like the product hasn't been that great at least compared to what we've <laughs> accustomed to the last couple of years. I mean, you got three really good teams, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills. And then I feel like after that, it's kind of, eh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, for example, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday and, you know, Thursday night football is coming up between the Saints and the Cardinals. Beginning of the year, you would have told me that was Thursday night. I said, hell yeah. Sounds like a great offensive showdown. 
Oh, now, circle that day. No, no weddings on that day, right? Right. And now <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm like, both these teams are two and four. These teams are cheek. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't need to watch this game. <laughs> oh, but it's Thursday night football, so it's <laughs> kind of like one of those, like, oh, you know what? It's they're both two and four, but it's the start of the football weekend, so I got to check it out. You know. But I agree with you. I mean, I think the most interesting thing Thursday would be, you know, DeAndre Hopkins coming back. That's that's probably the most exciting thing to watch, to see how he goes. See if that offense, you know, Cardinals offense starts clicking because it, it's it been it's been a mess. You know, it's been a mess this whole season. Yeah, I mean, they've had their problems. Marquise Brown is out for the year as well. Uh, Hollywood mm. Brown. And I'm disappointed about that because I wanted to see him and Hopkins play together. Oh, same, same. And they got Robbie Anderson now. <laughs> that dude oh. since. Um <laughs> that's gonna be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh I'll say this much. That uh that Arizona team getting D Hop is back is big, but I don't know if that's going to salvage things. I still think that when it's all said and done, Jose we're talking about uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be out of a job by the end of the season, I think. I, I don't think De- DeAndre Hopkins solves all the issues there in Arizona. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think he's definitely going to be on the hot seat after the season. I mean, they're at the bottom of the West. The West is crowded. Everyone else is 3-3, three and three, though. So I guess that's the positive out of it is, you know, they're still in it. But, yeah, if they don't make any moves, they don't start winning, definitely – you know, he's going to be on the hot seat. Yeah, I think so. Um, Lions and Cowboys coming up Sunday. Sounds like Dak is coming back. And, you know, obviously, Jose, this Cowboys team is uh, in contention, been playing some really good football. But if you're Dak, selfishly, aren't you kind of glad that Cooper Rush lost last week? (laughs) I mean – doesn't that take some pressure off Dak coming back this week, knowing that he's not replacing a guy that went undefeated? Uh, I mean, I know that, you know, smart football people know that Dak's a much better quarterback than Cooper Rush, but just the fact that you had Jerry Jones talking and some of the noise that was going on, if I'm Dak, I'm not hating that loss last week personally. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean – the way I see it, though, is, yeah, they came off a really bad loss against the Eagles. But, you know, Cooper Rush still held his ground the first, you know, four games that he started. So, you know, in a way, it's kind of like I think Dak still has pressure on him, regardless of what happened last week. I think the fans in Dallas, if they, you know, don't get much out of Dak these next few weeks and take some three losses straight, Man, I think I think he might be, you know, getting some booze then. What do you think? Yeah, I think that very well could happen. Um, the other thing, too, like taking on Detroit this week, I know the Lions, uh, you know, what, what, they're at one win on the season at this point? I mean, they haven't been impressive. But the one thing that they have done well is that offense has been able to put up points. That defense is atrocious, but the offense can score – and so for Dallas here, I mean, I think we're going to find out right away what Dak has left and what that offense can do because, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, they're going to have to try to keep pace with Detroit here. 
<laughs> it's like a Big 12 shootout, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Man, that's going to be sad if they can't beat the Lions. Like, the Lions with no defense and you lose a golf. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Man, like, that would just be the worst of the worst starts for Dak. Like, I think this is Dak's game to come in should shine easily with that bad defense at the Lions. You know, I'm thinking maybe three touchdowns, pass three touchdowns, get at least 300 yards, and, you know, just set yourself up for success moving on, get that momentum going. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Tom Brady and the uh, Buccaneers this week. This feels like, uh, Jose, the like the, the, the pause in time of sorts. This is the last week for Tom Brady and the Bucks. I feel, to kind of get things together. Because this next stretch is brutal, what they're about to experience. The Ravens on Thursday night, short week and everything next week. The Rams the week after that. Seattle, who's played pretty good, in London. So that's a whole other factor in itself. And then you end up playing Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Uh, Watson will be back by then. I mean, Tom Brady and Tampa, they've looked so bad to start the year. There's so many problems, and Tom's got his stuff in his own personal life and all that. I mean, this this feels like what most teams in their situation would bypass and kind of, you know, uh, go through the motions this week. I feel like the Bucs need to make a statement this week and need to send a message to the rest of the league to get themselves – ready for what's ahead for them here in the next few weeks. No, I agree with you 100%. They've just lost to the Steelers. Like, the Steelers, man. Like, come on. Like, pick it, you know, and and they lost 20 to 18 in a game they should have blown them out. So, you know, if they if you lose to the Panthers, you know, that's – man, that's not looking good for Tom, you know, after all the drama and everything that happened over the offseason – and then this happening, losing to the Steelers, losing to the Panthers, and then having that stretch. Yeah, no, man. And what what about – I have a question for you, Jones. What are your thoughts on McCaffrey? Is McCaffrey going to get traded before the deadline? I think he is going to get traded. I think that one of these contenders is going to find themselves in a position where uh, – they can't do without essentially like take a Buffalo, for example, Buffalo, they know that they have everything, you know, that this is super bowl or bust, right? And if you're Buffalo, if you are that close or you are, maybe they might not even need McCaffrey, but if you know that you can get a little bit better, it, it becomes a conversation, Jose, of you're not giving up a first round pick just for McCaffrey, it is, are we giving up a first-round pick to win a Super Bowl? That's when the conversation changes. And so I think that a guy like McCaffrey, who I have concerns about, I wouldn't be giving up a whole lot for if I were in, uh, you know, a decision-maker looking at, you know, an, an older running back. You know, he's 26 years old on his second contract. And he's already had injury issues in his own right. Personally, I wouldn't make that call. But if you're a GM or you're somewhere out there, if you're a team that's close, it's not just that you're making that move for McCaffrey. It's no, 
we're trading away this compensation to win a Super Bowl, and that's a different conversation. I agree with you with on that. You know, I think there are certain teams that that should go ahead and just, you know what, put all the chips in and go all in. The Bills being, you know, one of them. Because you have the Chiefs that have won one within the last, what was it, like five years at least. And, you know, the Rams won one last year. So it's kind of like they're not going to be the ones that are going to be, hey, you know, we're all in. I think the Bills with, you know, who they have with Diggs, you know, with Josh Allen, I think, you know, they're just missing, you know, that running back the that's going to take them above and, you know, push them past the Chiefs, the Rams. And, you know, I think I, I personally, if I was the Bills GM, I would make the move. I would go ahead and throw first, give me McCaffrey. Because, you know, Singletary, he's not a bad back, but McCaffrey's, McCaffrey's production is going to be by far better. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what uh, what they decide to do there. Uh, a couple other uh, storylines and games uh, I want to touch on here around the league. Chiefs taking on the uh, 49ers, and uh, the Chiefs are, are favoring that game two and a half, three. The line's kind of moved a little bit there uh, in that game. And, you know, two things, Jose. One, Andy Reid is the best in the business when it comes to responding to losses. He hardly ever loses back-to-back games. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to respond well. They didn't play bad against Buffalo last week. They just lost to a better team and you know made one mistake at the end there. I think Kansas City is going to be okay. San Francisco, I mean, I don't get what people were buying about this team. San Francisco is so overrated. Has anybody watched this team play? They're three and three. Believe your eyes. Stop looking at the paper that says, wow, this roster is so good. They haven't played to it yet. Could they down the road? Maybe they turn things around. That's certainly possible. But <laughs> at this point in time, I'm selling the Niners. I'm not buying anything to do with this team. What about you? Are you buying or selling San Francisco as a threat in the NFC right now? And I mean, as a threat in the NFC, I, I wouldn't be buying just yet. But I think they're kind of in the mix. I mean, think about the top NFC teams right now. Like, you know, who you got? The Rams. Philly. And then – Philly, oh, well, I guess Philly, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, okay, definitely put Philly up top. But after Philly is like who? Dallas? Because, uh, I mean, are you are you, are you you sold on Dallas now that Dak's coming back? Do you really think that Dak would be keeping the same momentum? I'm not sold on Dallas, but I would be buying them before I'd buy stock in San Fran. I, I would agree. I agree on that. I agree. Um, you know, after Philly, you definitely have the Giants and the Cowboys up there. Toss I would up. buy stock in Minnesota before I would San Fran. Man, I just don't know if I could ever – if I could still buy Minnesota. Because Cousins, what has Cousins done in the NFL besides the miracle? That's it. What's Jimmy G done? I mean, Jimmy G's gotten to the, to the Super Bowl. Like he was carried to the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> you or I could have taken that he, Niner team to the Super Bowl. He's made it though. I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that can say that in the NFC besides Tom Brady and you know, um, who else? Um, did golf ever make the Super Bowl? I can't remember. I yeah, think golf he got pretty close. He had one of the worst performances I've ever seen. <laughs> That's why I can't remember it. <laughs> I remember too much of that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm not buying the 49ers. I'm with you. I'm not buying yet. But okay. I think this weekend, 
I don't know. I'm going to say 49ers my upset over the Chiefs. Okay. All right. We'll see. A um, couple more things uh, I want to get to here. Uh, the Steelers and Dolphins on Sunday night football. And a very interesting storyline here. A couple things. Tua is back after all the controversy with the concussion and all that. He's been cleared. He's good to go. And then there's the Brian Flores element in all this of him on the opposite side for Pittsburgh, that nasty lawsuit and all the stuff that's going on there. Um, I don't think this is going to be that great of a game because I think <laughs> Miami has got some problems to work through. They're a good team, but they got issues right now. And the Steelers are in a rebuilding year. They're very flawed in their own right. I mean, for me, Jose, the stories outside the game here are more intriguing than the game itself. <laughs> And they are. I honestly, I totally forgot about the Flores situation. That probably is why they put it as a prime time game to build up to the game, you know, as the drama. But heck, put me a Jets, Jets and Broncos game. Give me a, a third overtime for the Broncos. More intriguing than that game, right? <laughs> oh, you brought that up. Um, did anyone see these teams at this point in the year being what they are, the Jets at four and two and Denver two and four? What what surprise and I know you're a Bronco fan, Jose, but be honest with me. What is more shocking that the Jets are this good or that Denver's this bad? I would definitely say the Broncos this bad. You know, the Jets, they've been bad for well over a decade, probably, but those first round picks keep adding up and they're, they keep building. So, you know, they they were eventually going to get to a 500 after, you know, above 500 season, above 500 after six games at one point. But the Broncos, man, you spend that money on Russell Wilson. You have the weapons with Judy, Sutton, you know, and then your running back Williams goes down with, you know, torn ACL and, and the line just looks awful, man. Like they, they need a new line. They need a running game and just a tight end, man. Like Noah Fan, like he didn't do a lot, but they don't have any no like they don't have any tight ends really after him that, that now that he's gone to Seattle. But yeah, I'm 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 upset. I'm I'm disappointed for sure. Yeah, it's it's a wild story that things have uh, gotten that point with uh, both these teams. So we'll ha- we'll talk more about the Broncos coming up later on the show when Coach Bo joins us here. Um one one more thing, and then uh, we'll move on and uh, get to this week's Big 12 breakdown. Uh, Jose, this uh, the Seahawks-Chargers game, you know, at the beginning of the year, I looked at that matchup and I said, man, that one is going to be a brutal day for the, the Seahawks having to go to L.A., taking on one of the best teams in the AFC, a high-powered offense. And now, the way the Seahawks have played, the Chargers – they're four and two, but they're not a they're not a sexy four and two. I mean, this is a team that has you know their set of issues with you know Justin Herbert and his ribs. He's still not fully healthy. I'm worried about what he's going to be like in the future. Uh, I, I don't know if he's necessarily healing right, throwing him out there like that. But nonetheless, um, I don't think anybody would be shocked if Seattle finds a way to win that game Sunday. You know, I honestly, I, I agree with you. I don't, I feel like Seahawks are in it. You know, the, I saw the Chargers play against the Broncos and, 
you know, that with all the pressure coming out that Denver threw at the Chargers offense, they just broke through real easily. And it just was like a sack or a pass rush that just, you know, hurried up the quarterback, you know, and those throws just didn't look too good. So honestly, I, I don't I could see the Seahawks winning that game. You know, Gino's what the highest completion percentage in the NFL, I think, or up yeah. there. Yeah, I mean that's you know, and they got Walker. Unfortunately, Penny, you know, went down. Penny was on a tear when he before he he went down with, I think it was a torn ACL or ankle or something like that. But Walker filling in the shoes and just picking things right up, man. Last week killed it. So we'll see what happens. But that's that's a very interesting game to me. It is. It is. We'll uh, we'll have more NFL discussion coming up later on. Uh, Jonathan Hunt of Outkick.com is going to join us. Also, uh, Coach Bo is going to stop by for the football fix coming up later on in the show. Coming up now, though, is our Big 12 breakdown where we take a look inside the Big 12 conference. And uh, we'll do all that and more right now here on the Jones Report this week. It is time for the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones here alongside Jose Soto as we break down the Big 12 conference and tell you everything you need to know. Uh, about the league at uh, this point in time. And I got to tell you, uh, we begin our virtual breakdown each week with kind of our hot takes around the league. And before we kind of get too hot taking for a minute here, I think just looking back at this past week, there was a lot to, you know, digest here. I mean, you have West Virginia getting by Baylor. And I've been on this train for since week one that I think West Virginia is going to fire Neil Brown any week. And he somehow keeps finding a way to survive and a big upset win against Baylor. And then you have Oklahoma make a resurgence with a really great offensive performance. Dylan Gabriel played it, played a really good game. Kansas, you know, they held their own. Nothing to be disappointed about. But, I mean... Defense was a lot left to be desired for both squads here. I think you're feeling pretty concerned there. Texas wasn't their best game. Found a way to win against Iowa State. I don't think that's the end of the world for Texas to find a way to win on their bad day. And then TCU and Oklahoma State play one of the best games all year, and OSU just collapses, and uh, TCU ultimately gets the job done. So with all that, Jose, before we even talk about this week and what's going on ahead – Last week was was a lot to just consume, a lot to digest here. I mean, what was what was your big takeaway from from everything that happened last week in the Big Twelve? You know, uh, just a couple of thoughts. Um, Texas, you know, just barely escaping the upset with Iowa State. You know, I don't. I, I'm not sure exactly what went differently this past weekend for Texas, considering they blew out my Sooners. Like, you know gave them a donut they laid a donut for them and 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 so you know i don't know it's it's interesting yours looked phenomenal against ou and and you know i didn't really watch a lot of the iowa state texas game but you know you would only assume that it's iowa state like three and three and four like three and three at the time and you know winless in the conference that you would think yours and texas would just blow them out easily but very intriguing. I mean, I think that was probably one of my interesting like takes of this past weekend. TCU OSU game that was a great game. You know, it could have gone either way towards the end, but 
unfortunately for you know the Cowboys, like they started up hot. They should have they should have just kept the the gas, you know, just the foot on the pedal, you know, and just kept going. But they turned conservative towards the end of the game and costed them. Yeah, and uh, my hot take for the week, uh, I'll say this, and you know, you can call this overreaction Monday if you want, whatever it may be. But I've been telling you for the last couple of weeks on this show, and we talked about it with, with Luke Slayball and, and, and others, was that every year with Oklahoma State, you get that one letdown game right at the very least. And in particular, the last couple of years, it's been the bad Spencer Sanders game. And then you hope that in that bad Spencer Sanders game, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that everybody else kind of puts it together and – does enough to win despite Spencer Sanders, you know, struggling. Well, what did we see last week in that loss to TCU? I mean, the offense scored 40 points. Spencer Sanders, you know, had three touchdowns. I mean, it wasn't his best effort, but this wasn't a game where he was necessarily a turnover machine of some sorts. I mean, this was – a B minus C plus game. It wasn't the D F game like we saw against Baylor in the Big 12 title game last year. So I say all this to say my hot take this week. Um Oklahoma State will not win the Big 12. They will not. I feel like there is still another letdown game or two that's ahead of them. If you lost this now, then whether it's the Texas this upcoming week or whether it's you know, down the line when they play a Kansas or even an Oklahoma who's found some new life or something like that, uh, or even getting to the Big 12 title game again. I mean, something tells me, Jose, that we're not in for the last letdown from Oklahoma State here. That was a game they had every reason they should have won and let that one go. If you're going to let that one go, if you can't finish that game, I, I don't have a reason to trust you that you're going to do what it takes to win the league if you're going to let games like that go by. Yeah, no, they, they it's always like this, you know, everyone's hyped, you know, they, they get on a good start. And then, you know, when the pressure's on, you know, the biggest games, you know, this is a top, you know, OSU was like, what, eighth, I believe, or so, and TCU coming in was like 14, 15, somewhere around there, but, right. you know, it, they're both top of the Big 12, and it's like, this is where the spotlight's on you, it's your time to shine, and, you know, kind of make a statement in the Big 12, and unfortunately, you know, it didn't swing their way, but they have Texas this weekend, so it's kind of a redemption, you know, Texas, they beat Texas in Austin last season, can they beat them in Stillwater? Yeah. We'll see. And that's a good place to kind of start our, our look around the games this week. Um, you look at Texas, and Texas played, so, you know, they're, they're a different team when they have Quinn Ewers at quarterback. We've seen that this year. Um, only one loss in conference play, that being the Texas Tech. Back to back, you know, performances here, you know, wins against Oklahoma and and uh, what they're able to get against Iowa State here. You know, Texas has got some real momentum. Oklahoma State coming off a loss. Um, both of them with one loss in conference play. Who does this – who's this game more important for, Jose? I would lean towards Oklahoma State that it's more important for them 
because their measure of success, I think, is 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 higher than than Texas's. If Texas wins nine or ten games this year, I think everybody's happy and they have some forward momentum, you know, heading into next year. Oklahoma State, the truth of the matter is, with OU down, it's Big 12 title or bust with this team. And so for me, I, I would say because of where expectations are, I would think this game's more important for Oklahoma State than it is Texas. What say you go? I would say Texas, just because, you know, they they have these classes coming in. You got Manning, you know, coming here soon. You, you know, this is yours time. You know, your losses, you know, you lost to Alabama, which a lot of people feel like, you know, they, they could have beaten Alabama had they had yours. And then they had the upset with Texas Tech. So I think, you know, for Texas, if they try to win out, I think it it's more – important for them to try to do that, especially for Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian, you know, to not be on the uh, hot seat. I think, you know, with all this talent, they still have pressure to perform. So if they lose OSU and, you know, have like a three loss season and end up somehow in like the cotton bowl, I think that would be good for them. But if they end up anything less than that and just some random bowl game, I think that's a failure. I think for OSU, you know, they, they typically make it to a Cotton Bowl. And, you know, if they don't make it there, then it's like, okay, you know, no worries. There's next season. Right. There's no big expectations of, like, national championships like Texas has every year. Right. Yeah. It's not a bad take at all. Um, I mean, I, I disagree, but, you know, I mean, doesn't make it a bad take. I, I see exactly what you mean there uh, on that front, Jose. With that said, um, I've gone back and forth on this game. I think that – the margin, you know, Texas being a, you know, six, six and a half point favorite, I think that's way too high. Uh, I like Oklahoma State at home in this game, but I don't feel very confident in that. To me, that this feels like a coin flip game, Jose. Yeah, I'm with you on that with OSU. Um, you know, that that's, yeah, that's a big cover to cover for, you know, two teams, especially after Texas, you know, almost blew with Iowa State. So, I'm just going to go with the home team. OSU, you know, they usually have a good home crowd base, home fan base, and it's homecoming. So the energy is going to be there. And, you know, they want to make up for the loss they just had this past week in that big showdown with TCU. So I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys on this one. Picking up TCU, uh, this week they take on K-State. And uh, the Horned Frogs are favored at home. Going to be a night game there in Fort Worth. Um Here's the deal. K-State, you know, they have played way above their talent level. I mean, they're 5-1 and one right now, and their one loss to Tulane doesn't even look that bad anymore. Tulane's a top 25 team. Um, but when you get past Deuce Vaughn, there's, there's a talent gap with that, that K-State team, in all honesty. And Adrian Martinez played the game of his life against OU, and, like – He's not come close to playing to that level that he was against OU. TCU, I think, is just a lot better team than K-State is. Uh, should be a good game, but TCU, they keep it rolling here. I mean, they go to 7-0 and at this point, and you've already beaten Oklahoma. You've already beaten Oklahoma State. Um, watch out. I mean, if TCU pulls this off, uh, you know, their third, you know, top 25 win in a row here, Jose, then – it's time to talk about TCU not just as a Big 12 threat, but realistically as a college football playoff contender. 
Yeah, I, I you know TCU wins this game. Definitely, you got to start putting them in you know contention with that that playoff. But I don't know. I I, I saw I saw K State versus at OU, and man, like Martinez just kind of you know brings that offense to life. You know, he he kind of reminded me a little bit of um, that K State quarterback a few years back, uh, Colin Klein. Yeah. And, you know, the way that he would run the, the ball and, you know, pass it, you know, he didn't, he didn't pass it a lot, but man, could he run? Like he was just on a man on a mission and their whole running game was just, you know, amazing that night. And, and so I feel like the run game is, is their way to, to push through TCU. I think, I think they get the running game started early and they're, you know, they're just going to take off from there, man. I think K-State is going to take this one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're going with the Cats. I'll go with the Horn Frog. Should be a good yeah. game. West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, I think Texas Tech wins, but this week I'm not predicting Neil Brown to get fired, which probably means he will get fired then. <laughs> face it that point. Um, I think Neil Brown bought himself some time last week beating Baylor, at least a couple weeks anyway. I don't think there's any way he's back next year. But Texas Tech, three and three. New head coach and Joe McGuire this year. I know that they've had, you know, a lot of injuries and some things they've played through. But nonetheless, uh, I like what I've seen from Texas Tech as far as building for their future goes. That Texas win was big. Um, You you talk about, you know, programs and their coaches here. I'm For Tech, I'm excited about what McGuire is doing with that program. For West Virginia, I mean – they're counting down the days until they can get rid of Neil Brown at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 gonna go with the Texas Tech. You know, the the air raid's gonna gonna go flying this weekend for sure against West Virginia. So I agree with you. I'm I'm liking the you know what Texas Tech has to bring. You know, they're not just gonna take it. You know, take a beat down. They're gonna put up a fight every week. But you know, in this case, West Virginia. I mean, I gotta I gotta pick Texas Tech. Kansas taking on Baylor in the game that I will not get to watch uh, at this wedding uh, that I'll have to sneak on my phone of some sorts. But uh, I'll be there in spirit in Waco this Saturday. Um, For Kansas, you're just hoping to find that sixth win, whether it's this weekend, whether it's against Tech, Oklahoma State, whatever it may be. Find the sixth win. That's the number one goal to get bowl eligible right now. That's your number one job. I think they'll do it. It's going to be tough. This next half of the schedule for Kansas is a lot tougher than the first half was. I think they'll do it, but they're in for a gauntlet here the next few weeks. Baylor's going to be you know, a very tough team to beat here. But the, the thing that I think makes this interesting on all fronts is with Shapin, the Baylor quarterback getting hurt last week. Um, and then we already know about Jalen Daniels being out for Kansas, um, and uh, Jason Bean got to start last week, and Bean played all right. He didn't play great, but he made some plays from time to time here. Um, this comes down to coaching, preparation. What team is going to have their better their backup quarterback uh, better prepared for this game? And uh, I think, you know, Bean's already had a start under his belt, uh, comparatively speaking to what, what Baylor's going with here. Might be an advantage for KU in this game uh, that they've already kind of been through getting the backup quarterback ready before for this start here. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Baylor on this. You know, I, I just feel like, um, you know, if, if KU had Jalen Daniels, easy pick, KU, let's go. You know, get your, get your uh, bowl legibility in. But, man, I think – I feel like your next win may not be until Texas Tech. And if I'm not mistaken, KU's got, like, the, the number one ranked hardest schedule in FBS right now, like, remaining. So, you know, that's tough, man. Like, it, it's it's unfortunate. I know, you know, since you're a Jayhawk and you guys started off the season hot and then to kind of end up like this, you know, I, I hope you guys get that win. But I think Baylor, you know, considering they just came off a Big 12 championship last season it's hard to pick them yeah. not not pick them you know yeah yeah i totally get that uh it's a great point there uh jose uh, but should be fun week uh in the big 12 here uh coming up next uh, we're going to be joined by jonathan hutton get his uh insights uh on uh what's going on in uh, college football and more uh of uh, outkick.com and outkick 360 great conversation with hutton Coming up in just a moment, we will bring you that on the other side. Stay with us. Joining us now, the Jones Sport this week, pleased to bring back Jonathan Hutton, the co-host of Outkick 360, also with Outkick.com, and we're glad to have him here. Jonathan, so much to talk about as uh, we're in such a busy time of year, especially at Outkick, too, between the NFL and college football <laughs> midterms a couple weeks away, too. I mean – uh, certainly a lot going on here. It is great to be back with you, Tyler. The Jones Report was a lot of fun. Uh, when would you do, we did what? Was in the spring? When yeah, whenever was I was before, on? Before the NCAA tournament. It was in March. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I met you in Nashville, and then we linked up here. Uh, great to be back. And, yeah, a busy time of year. I prefer football season over any season, though. I love it. College, pro, uh, you name it. It's, it's, it's always good on the weekends. Oh, no question. No doubt about that. Uh, Hutton, I want, want to start off with uh, with the uh, Tennessee Vols there. You were in Knoxville over the weekend for the best game of the college football season so far with Tennessee getting that win over Alabama. Set the scene for me. What was it like seeing that firsthand and the the atmosphere and everything of, of just a, an incredible football game and, and a huge upset, too? It was it was awesome. I mean, like everyone would expect it to be. Um, it there was a build up to this because Tennessee going into the season, the discussion about the Vols were okay. If they beat Pittsburgh or Florida, then what? It was one or the other. Like that that was the scenario because we saw last year seven win team. How good could they be? And and then they beat both. Then they went on the road and won at LSU. And then all of a sudden it was unbeaten versus unbeaten. And you felt like based on last year and the start of this year, we saw the Texas matchup for Alabama. And then going back to last year, multiple uh, matchups where they were on the brink. They're good enough to overcome it. Maybe not every single time like we saw in College Station. Uh, and we, Outkick was there for that one too. Point being, the buildup was Tennessee may have a chance here if they can get one or two extra stops than what they did a year ago. A year ago in Tuscaloosa, it was a seven-point game fourth quarter, and Tennessee went for it on fourth down at midfield, didn't get it. Bryce Young got the football back, went down and scored. Two-possession game, game over at that point. This one, Tennessee built a quick lead. They led by 18 at halftime, and you're looking around going, man, 
this this may happen. This may happen. But the game ended up – so it was the game of the week, as you mentioned. It turned into the game of the year because of two players, Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young. Bryce Young was phenomenal in that game. And the atmosphere, the electricity – the the fact that Tennessee had been waiting 15 years to bring out the cigars it was it was phenomenal and it's what makes college football great well it, one of the things that that I look at Hutton is that Tennessee in this game answered every question possible they didn't yeah. take on an Alabama team that didn't have Bryce Young Bryce Young still played well close game and everything down the stretch here I mean this was a statement win for the rest of the country that the Tennessee's back. Well, and it's a, a statement for Hendon Hooker too. Let's also stress this on the pod. Um, Hendon Hooker is been he benefits by Bryce Young not just playing but playing well. Because if Milrow plays another week, the excuse is if you're looking for a Heisman vote, the excuse would be, and I don't have one. It would be, oh well, um, Milrow played that week. You know, Bryce Young's going to win that game head-to-head. And now they are that's out the window. You've got Bryce Young's best game we've seen him play statistically. And that also shows you how good Bama is. They can overcome the, the muff punt, which was egregious, 17 penalties. They're down 18 at halftime. And it took a, mix, uh, a missed 49-yard field goal from a kicker whose career long was 51. And then this monstrosity of a field goal by Tennessee from 45 that was good somehow and that's how the game ended 51 40 uh, 52 49 that that's what made it really cool is you had the the, both teams played well even though Bama continues to stub its toe you're right though Tennessee took on all the hype they don't they didn't feel the pressure in that game they didn't have the the awful turnover or the too big for the moment aspect that Bama brings into the, the the stadium it was it would you know John Ward the legendary broadcaster for the balls whenever uh the, they beat Florida it was pandemonium reigns and pandemonium returned at Neyland Stadium this this past week when when finally Tennessee was able to get over the hump and they did it in in their fashion they're very consistent offensively and defensively they're just a little bit better. They're not faster. They're just a little bit better, and that's allowing their offense to put up a, a couple, a couple possession lead, and then you've really got to fight into the flow and the rhythm of the game. There's still a possibility now that Tennessee's got this win. Hutton, it's not a reach to say the SEC could send not two but even three teams to playoff if you maybe have a, situ- a situation yeah. where. Uh, Georgia beats Tennessee, Alabama uh, wins out and wins the SEC. I mean, you get three realistic threats right now. Yeah. I mean, and Ole Miss now has a chance to prove it. I, I'm not on board the lane train. I love Lane Kiffin. I'm not on board the lane train aspect yet. My guess is when they, if they beat LSU this week, I will be um, because they're also unbeaten. So let, let's hypothetically say, that Bama beats Ole Miss and they're also with one loss, but they go through the gauntlet and they're like Tennessee in your scenario. And you have two one loss teams in the SEC, one from the East, one from the West, one lost to Bama, the other beat Bama, but lost to Georgia who Bama would beat in Atlanta. 
craziness, right? Um, and I also wonder this, because uh, we've discussed this scenario at the tailgates last weekend. W- the college football playoff committee and ESPN, they catch a lot of heat for being in bed with the Southeastern Conference. And I wonder what would happen based on the last two years of scrutiny, not from you or I, but we've heard it uh, with conference realignment. What would happen if they actually put three SEC teams in over a um, either Michigan and Ohio State or a TCU team or a, a USC team that lost but goes on this winning streak, and it's not about how how you win, not not if you win, but how you win. Right, like a one loss Oklahoma State, even. Yeah, yeah. Like if you left the the second team out in this scenario and put a third SEC team in, I wonder what the reaction would be like nationally. Here, I mean, in the hotbed, uh, in, in the, the the southeastern part of the United States, everyone's for it. We should mention Clemson in there too, right? Like. Uh, Syracuse, while they remain unbeaten, let's throw them in the mix. Sure. It could be crazy. And um, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, th- This is a great year for a 12-team playoff, the one we're sitting in right now. Yes. And uh, that that's also, you know, cool that we're, we're getting that. But this year, I'm like, man, I would love some of those first-round matchups on campus. Yes. That's the other key here. Th- this season is built for a 12-team playoff. It is, and, and I would add to that point of, you know, the biggest problem with this playoff system is so many blowouts that we've seen in these semifinals. Championship yep. games, too, yep. had some decent number of blowouts. Personally, and I'm no apologist for the SEC by any means, but I don't care if it's going to be two or three SEC teams in the playoff if we can trade that for – having competitive games, I think that's the number one thing that I'm looking for as a as a fan of the sport, a consumer of the product. I want to see these games just, just be competitive finals. To- totally agree with you, 100%. And by the way, I'm not a Tennessee fan. I went to Middle Tennessee State. I'm a Blue Raider through and through. I'm, I'm one of the few that will sit in the state of Tennessee where I am right now and say that. Um, I, I don't mind when they win, but I'm not actively promoting them for the college football playoff. But they're right. without a doubt, their resume holds up right now with Georgia, uh, better than Georgia, based on the top 25 opponents that they've knocked off, and they just beat Alabama. That, that's that's the intriguing part is if they're if Georgia gets them and Georgia defensively at certain spots like nickel. Um, and I, I think at, at wide receiver, I think they're better than Alabama. And also, I, I think they're more poised, quite frankly. I don't think they're going to have 17 penalties in a game. Point being, I can't wait for that game. Tennessee's got to get past Kentucky as well. But the, the resume itself across the Southeastern Conference, and that's why I mentioned Ole Miss, they haven't played anybody yet. They're about to. They're about to go on this back back part of their schedule where they have a chance to prove that they belong. And if they do it, Tyler, wow. Here, I mean, because right now they're leading the West because Alabama lost and you've got Tennessee meeting Georgia in a couple of weeks and all these things tend to work out. And I think, you know, I don't know how many upsets we had at this point last year. You, your memory is better than mine. I know that A&M beat Bama at this point. Right. But, um, you know, we, we had some craziness at the end that allowed certain teams to get in. I hate the blowouts. 100% with you. 
I saw week one, Georgia and Oregon. I can't get that out of my mind. I saw right. Utah lose to Florida. That Those things should matter early in the season. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the time we look at the recency and how a team's playing now when I like that. That's why I like the NFL. Every game yes. you're looking at it from a massive piece of the standings. But why I like the NFL, we've got more teams in the in the playoff. All right. You're absolutely right about that. Last thing on uh, on Tennessee, then we'll move on here. Uh, kind of back to the game itself. Afterwards, that that scene of all yeah. the orange, you know, flooding the stadium, the the the, the uh, field storming that we saw, and there was a, a video, an interview you did with Clay Travis in the back of a pickup truck, and <laughs> I saw all the c- cigars being smoked. I mean, th- that felt iconic. Just everything that went on. Tell me about those uh, those closing seconds and everything that went on afterwards. It was a classic night. You want the full story? I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, go I'll ahead. Even, I'll tell you why we're in the pickup truck as well. So um, game ends. We, we stay in the stands. We didn't go on the field. Um, and we just took it in. You know, the, everybody, within 30 seconds of that kick being good, there was this waft of cigar smoke, like across the stadium. You could smell, like, everyone brought one in. They are passing them out at tailgates. And that, that, that was cool. You, you had people, you had grown men crying. Clay was one of them. And I, you know, I had my phone and I'm, I'm just taking, I, I, I had a video of the kick itself and I'm just watching as people just pour onto the field. And then the three guys I'm with, Withrow, uh, Clay and our buddy, Alan Bean, who had wonderful seats. Uh, and we were in his seats. He's very gracious. I just pan to them and I've got, Chad and Allen hugging. Then Clay comes over the top with them because all of them are massive Tennessee fans. I was so happy for them. And I can see like when Clay got like he like straightened up, I could tell he was he was tearing up. But by I, I turned back around, I didn't focus on him then. And I was just trying to think about how I could bring it up later. And we end up, I don't know, we went to a, a tailgate or two afterwards. And uh, it was roughly two hours later, but we're trying to get an Uber. Uh, back to where we're staying and we had to walk aways outside Neyland stadium. All the cars are going one way. And then there's two lanes on the opposite side of the street where other cars could come in, but they had it blocked off. And there were some officers that told us we were not allowed to get an Uber right there. And I was finally getting service. So all they were like, they say, you got to walk about a mile and a half. That's where this road is blocked off. Well, about that time, this random truck, drives down this two-lane road where everyone else is trying to go out. He's coming in, and we're the only three on the sidewalk at this point with the officers at the blockade where you can't get to Neyland Stadium with any cars. Everyone's pouring out, and here's these headlights just coming down. And Clay's like, you know, you should have all these lanes open for everyone to get out easier instead of blocking off two lanes and not using them. And I said, Clay, we're we're about to use these two lanes because – this truck's coming down. They told the guy in the truck he had to do a U-turn and turn around. And I don't know how he got through the, the top blockade. I don't. I never asked him. But Clay just has him roll down his window and goes, hey, uh, I'm Clay. Congratulations. You know, here's a cigar. But, but I'll give you $200 to drive us. And he was like, you know what? I'll do it. But you got to sit in the back. And we're like, let's do it. And that's that's how we end up in the back of the pickup truck. And uh, we, we started telling stories. And uh, someone, I, I forgot what sparked the going back to the scene where I knew he was crying, but he was just talking about the uh, the, what, the memories that he had of this rivalry and what it meant to him. 
and how they were happy. They were happy that Tennessee did not storm the field after their win against Florida this year because it made that moment better, right? That, that was the, the field storming. And so I just picked up the camera and I just hit record and he finished like right around the time he finished the story. I was like, Clay, you, you were tearing up there at, at the end. And every, I think they thought like it was going to be some joke. I, I knew he had a good story there. And he told this great, great story about his grandfather and watching the games with him. His grandfather played for General Nealon, and um, it ended up being a special night. It, it was it was really cool. It was authentic. It was real. And um, it, it was Clay. Like, that's uh, – that, and, and Clay was every fan in, in Nealon that night where you you could feel the emotion with it and, and what it meant because – and he described it well, Tyler, and this is for any fan base of any sport – if you're passionate about something, you you go back when you're watching your team play. It's like you're watching your team at every age and every stage of your fanhood, right? Like you can put yourself on. I could put myself in Vervilla, Tennessee, watching the Tennessee Titans and the Music City Miracle on Sunday. Whenever I am uh, covering the Titans and the Colts, like I, I can look down and physically remember where I was. I don't. I don't have too many memories of other aspects like that, that college football or college sports gives us. And, and that was in that moment, he was literally going back in time to 1990 when Tennessee lost on a kick to right. Alabama. His grandfather uh, told him he shouldn't cry. And, you know, it, it, it was really cool. And if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you to go to OutKick. Thank you for bringing this up. Go to OutKick.com and, and just search it out. It was it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Uh, last thing on, on the college football side of things, uh, uh, here in uh, here in Texas and just northern Oklahoma, a uh, big topic of discussion this week uh, has come out that Oklahoma and Texas officially will not leave for the SEC until after the 2024 season. The target date that they've said all along, but we all kind of said, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll believe when we see it. There yeah. was a belief here. Everyone thought they were leaving at the end of last year. That didn't happen. End of this year, it's not happening. And still, it's going to be two more years and with the teams from the American coming over as well. From the SEC point of view, does that hold the league back at all by not getting Oklahoma and Texas to, until then? You, could there possibly – even be a couple more SEC members that join the league before OU and Texas even do. I mean, that's still a long time before they're officially members here. Yeah. And, you know, with that, so a year earlier is when we'll see USC, UCLA, right? Right. That's still on schedule. Um, the new TV deals will go into effect a year earlier than Texas and Oklahoma based on what Brett Yormark said about the Big 12. It's going to get weird, though, um, within the comp for the Big 12. You know, it's got a, it's got, I mean, uh, th to me, to me, it's, it, it's, you know, a, a swan song tour with your two biggest uh, uh, money makers. But what's odd is Texas and Oklahoma are, they're not the most relevant programs in the conference. Right now it's t uh, TCU and, and Oklahoma State, and it's been that way for a couple seasons now. And Baylor, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't view the Big 12 in that lens. I always think of Texas and Oklahoma. So it's smart by them to keep them because you get those teams that are a little down right now, the Sooners and and the Longhorns, and you get 
your teams like T- TCU and Oklahoma State that are playing well, and you you get packed houses whenever you play. Also, from the SEC's point of view, from like you're saying, I don't think that happens unless Greg Sankey is and, and all the member institutions are cool with it. There is a that Sankey is not just sitting back waiting on Texas and Oklahoma to get there. He there this has been planned out. Um, if they if they're adding more schools, it's it's certainly been discussed, um, and it may not happen before Texas and Oklahoma get here, just based on contracts. But there's no way he's sitting back thinking we'll let everyone else expand further, and the teams we have right now are the teams that we need for the foreseeable future. They're very selective. They're in a very good spot. Um, the SEC is strong strong the strongest without texas and oklahoma as it is and you know at, some people would point to the big 10 and what kevin warren has done and it, it's been tremendous but the the next tv deals that are about to happen with the sec will surpass anything that we're talking about we're only going to see more of this and who knows maybe maybe another musical chairs happens a year from now we we were talking USC and UCLA a bit whenever Texas and Oklahoma bolted, and then it died down. And then all of a sudden, around July, bam, there it is, around July 4th. And it's center of the universe again. It'll happen again. I mean, there will be the, – the next phase of this is what happens to the ACC. I know Notre Dame has decided to stay independent, but what happens to the ACC and what happens to the Pac-12 and the Big 12 after – Texas and Oklahoma. I, I'm all for everybody getting theirs, but I also uh, respect those who say, you know, it's it's going to end up being this 20 to 24 team conference in the Big Ten and the SEC. I think one day we will see that, and then you basically have a massive hodgepodge of NFL conferences that go for their own national championship in college football. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with you if you hate that opinion. But, you know, I, I don't also don't feel like we have to hit the fast forward button. I, I'm kind of going to relish in the moments of the conferences as they are while we still have them for a couple of years. And, you know, until the until we actually expand the playoff. That that's when I'm going to be like, man, Texas and Oklahoma need to be in the SEC. Let's go. Let's get this moving. And thankfully, it's happening the same year. Well, and, and with that playoff expansion, what I find so bizarre, if you're clearly going to have the SEC and the Big Ten as your superior conferences. Yeah. Why the hell did those two leagues surrender the rights to have, uh, you know, six conference champs with automatic bids? If you're the Big Ten and the SEC, I mean, you don't need those other conferences as, as far as I'm concerned. Like, why would you not want to do what it's set up now of, uh, you know, the best best teams? You know, like right now it's the four best teams. Make it all auto bids that – Top 12 teams, whatever it may be. Right, but it's real. I think they're viewing it from it's really four automatic bids because they're getting two of them, right? Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, so they're they're already getting two of the four automatics, and then they're they're saying we'll we'll own the rest too. So it's it's there there will substantially be more SEC and Big Ten teams in that playoff. Like think about it from this angle this year. Um, even with the automatic bids, I mean I there's only one team 
from all the other conferences that I, I'll sit here today on uh, in, Oct- in mid-October and say they're in, you know, like without a doubt. Well, today I could say Clemson and Syracuse um, from the ACC. But I think you get my overriding point here. Right. They're playing this week. One of them is going to lose. Um, there are teams with one loss in the Big Ten or the the SEC that I've seen play better competition, especially in the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, I'm not hating on the other conferences, but they got a bargain deal based on the fact they have the automatic qualifiers. The expansion should help them too if they truly believe that they're deeper than one and they're not getting one based on the current setup with four teams in the playoff. So it it benefits all, and it's still going to be heavily dominated by the top two conferences. I call it the power two. That yeah. we have a power five, and then we have a power two, and you know that's the that's the top tier college football. I don't, I'm I'm all for it right now. Whenever USC and UCLA and and others, Oregon prove it um, on a more consistent basis, they they can sway me. But again, USC and UCLA, they're leaving to go to the Big Ten. Let's uh, transition to talk NFL now. I know you uh, follow the Titans closely and uh, not a great start, but now things have kind of opened up in the AFC South. Important game this weekend uh, coming up between the Colts and the Titans here. Uh, could be a season-defining game for both these teams here. Yeah, and I think I think it's bigger for the Colts because they're already behind the Titans based on the tiebreaker head-to-head earlier. Uh, big for the Titans because they can put the Colts away uh, in a way uh, by by beating them this week. I hate the fact that we have division opponents that are playing for the second time in four weeks. Yes. And, you know, we've got two months of the season left and a lot can happen. The NFL is the war of attrition. The healthiest teams make a run at the end and the divisional matchups, you know, the, the Titans, the, the Titans will have, uh, Jacksonville in the final week of the season. And you had the Colts who open up the season with the Texans will have the Texans in the final week of the season. To me, that is a great barometer on where the teams are at the start and the finish. And you get the best of both, or you should, you know, if, you, if you're waiting on the rookies to come, come around and then someone takes off or you make a quarterback change and then you go on a run, the the back to back games in the in the division make no sense to me, but it is what it is. The Colts will have one AFC South game left on their entire schedule after Sunday, and and that's crazy to me. Um, with that, with all that being said, though, uh, Tyler, I I think the um, the intrigue here for the Titans is are they going to get Derrick Henry going the way Derrick Henry was going prior to his injury? We have not seen that. There's been hints of it, you know, that I, I, I'm buying Henry. I've, I've been yeah. preach, shouting it from the rooftops all offseason that he's going to be back to his form. And we've seen bits and pieces of it. He, he rushed for nearly 100 yards in the first half against the Colts a couple weeks ago, but he finished with like 114 yards. The Titans have been awful in the second half. Meanwhile, the Colts have been awful through the first three quarters, and they score all their points in the fourth. So and all, and Matt Ryan's coming off of a game where he threw for nearly 400 yards and a couple touch a handful of t- three touchdowns wasn't sacked on nearly 60 attempts. He's been getting beat up, but he wasn't sacked on 60 attempts by Jacksonville. I'm intrigued by it because I think in a rare occasion we see two teams that have played recently that 
one of them looks a bit different to me, and that that team is Indy. And if Indy's for real, they they showed some grit and some toughness against Jacksonville and coming back and winning that game. If they're for real, they need to go on the road and win in Nashville. Jim Ursay in the offseason, he he's talked about two things more than anything. Number one is Carson Wentz. And number two, the Titans and the the physical nature that his organization and his his team they must meet. Well, they lost game one, and the the next opportunity is three weeks later. So I I'm I'm curious. Ursay's already been talking quite a bit this week. I'm I'm wondering if he he flips out the the phone on the private jet on the way back to Indy after this game if if things go crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about that too, uh, for sure. Uh, let me ask you about uh, the two, two of the older quarterbacks in the league, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, haven't yeah. played their best football. What do you think about those two? Do you think they're eventually going to flip the switch here? What, what, what's your thoughts on the situation with both those guys right now? I think of the two, I think Rodgers has the best chance to do it because they have a run game. And I know they were shut down by the Jets a week ago in the run, but they they have two backs that I I think can be high caliber pieces to their offense. The the Bucks don't have that. They've got Fournette in the in the red zone. He he's powering in for some touchdowns, but I mean they're 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 long hard yards, and I there's nothing consistent about Tampa Bay's run game. Brady's throwing it a lot. He's really good when he throws it a lot, but there's inconsistency there too. They're, they're really struggling up front and defensively they're, they're letting some things by that I don't think we thought they would uh, after we saw them in week one uh, against Dallas. I, I, I point to green Bay because I also think green Bay will be active at the deadline. If they can find a, uh, a partner to trade with to add a weapon. Um, I know Rogers has said that and they need to capitalize on a guy who's back-to-back MVP that, they signed to a $50 million contract and invested in to make sure that, you know, they can make a Super Bowl run. They, they've won a lot of games. They have not won many games in the postseason, And it's, it's a put up or shut up type of year for not just Rogers, but the, the Packers. I think they could be buyers in a league where people hesitate to buy all the time. And in a league where I don't, I can't tell you how many buyers or sellers they will be because everybody's practically the same. Yeah. You know, you've got the you got two teams in the AFC, couple in the NFC, and then there's everyone else in the middle pack, and then like three or four teams that are just dead to rights. It's a it's in a very unusual year for it to be the middle of October and to be saying that. Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. It feels like there's three great teams: Philly, Buffalo, Kansas City, and then everyone else. There's not much separation. I mean, I mean, you, you're looking at the bottom of the barrel. Some of those teams, you know the you know, like Seattle's got three wins or uh, I mean, you look at Houston on any given week can beat anybody in the AFC South too. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot once you get beyond those three, do you think of those three, I know the Eagles have the, they're the last undefeated, have the best record in the league. Who do you like best uh, between those three at, uh, up top? I like the bills. You know, the bills are, are battle tested. They've, they've overcome some of their, their their ghosts you know they the in in regular season i'm saying already this year um the last few years the titans have had their number and this year it was no contest it was a 12 round fight that was a ko in the third you know like it was it was early 
with the uppercut on Monday Night Football. Titans did no shot with them. They can't hang with them. And then this past week, the Bills go on the road back to Arrowhead and credit Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. They had a great defensive game plan for Mahomes that had him under duress. Meanwhile, Allen's standing back there delivering the football. I know it's 24-20. I know it wasn't the playoff game, but the Bills can blow you out, and now they're winning close games. And last year, they weren't winning tight games. They were one-score games were losses. The Miami game when uh, Tua was playing, that was a loss in a tight window game on the scoreboard. Uh, then they've they've figured things out in that regard against Baltimore, close game, comeback win, and now another really close win against Kansas City. Both of those games, by the way, on the road. I'm, I'm taking the Bills up top, then I'm going Philly, and then Kansas City. Mahomes is turning the football over, and, and Jalen Hurts is not. That's the difference in the two the two teams. I, and you know, Philly Philly will have some holes. Um, it, it's not on offense. You know, it's it, early in the season. It was run defense, and they've got a lot of rookie pieces up the the backbone of their defense at defensive tackle and and linebacker. I think they only improve in that area. I, I really like them, and I, I think they're well coached. Hertz is very poised. He's acting like an MVP uh, with his comments after certain games and and talking about their record, having a presser where no one asked them about the Arizona Cardinals. So at the end, he made a point to mention, hey, just so you guys didn't ask me about this, but I want it on the record. We're not overlooking them. Like Things like that resonate through an organization that are veteran-like moments for a young quarterback taking over. I'm, I'm fascinated by them, and they are in a tough division. You know, they took care of Dallas. Dallas is not easy. That 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 will only be uh, harder whenever Dak comes back and they get Philly again. And you know, you're you're looking around, going, "Who are the Giants? The Giants all of a sudden, out of nowhere, are one loss uh, franchise that no one was predicting." So, um, that's the best division, and I would have never bet that preseason. Yeah, no, definitely not. And, you know, one, one of the things you mentioned with Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, here's a guy that, you know, when he was in Alabama, we knew about his leadership skills and the talent was there, but not the consistency. And then he goes to Oklahoma and and we started to see him take some big steps, but still the the offense was somewhat limited. They, they, they struggled to move the football down the field. And each year in the pros, I've been so impressed with, with him hunting of that he continues to get better. I mean, this is the first time I can recall, even dating back to his college days, we're looking at Jalen Hurts look like a complete quarterback that's putting it all together here. Yeah, and they invested in A.J. Brown. It's rare. You know, this this is a good case study. We've got Tyreek Hill in Miami who's putting on a show, 701 yards receiving so far. He leads the NFL. Um, Diggs is a, a big money uh, receiver in Buffalo, but the the, the trades uh, Hill and and AJ AJ is what the fifth or sixth leading receiver currently, and it's rare yeah. that you bring a guy in and just insert a receiver into an offense and say go. And uh, you can tell the rapport they were they were throwing before the trade even happened, right? Like you can tell that was going on, and um, I, I've been very impressed with their distribution, their run game is is their focus they they that's their identity and they're great at it 
But now they've got this compliment that is more than just a compliment. It can win. It can win you a game when you have a defense like a a, ran, a random day against, and it may be a bad example, and it is because they already beat them. Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got a good run defense. Um, so you know if you if you go up against a team, Patriots, great run defense, and they they shut down your run. Well, you've got another way to win. That's how you win the Super Bowl. You have to be able to win multiple ways along the path, especially if you're playing wild card weekend. It can't always be the quarterback, and it's not always going to be, in the Titans' case, Derrick Henry, or always the defense. You've got to win a shootout, and then you're going to have to win a 17-13 game the following week. The Eagles are built for that, and that happened fast. You know, they've drafted really well, but then they invested in A.J. Brown, and people thought, well, uh, the Titans didn't want him. They they literally just traded away a guy that fits the mold of everything the GM and the head coach talks about. And you see, you see why he fits any team because he, the dude's an alpha and Jalen hurts is distributing the football better than practically any quarterback in the league right now. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, let me ask you one, one more thing here uh, with Russell Wilson in Denver. Mm. Does this thing ever get turned around here? I mean, what, what's the bigger issue? Is it, Nathaniel Hackett or is it Russ? It's a combo, but Hackett's going to take the fall for it. He's going to be a one and done. Um, Wilson's got to be better. You know, like you've got, if, if you're one of the greats of your era and, and Russ is, I mean, his numbers are awesome. Doesn't miss a game for 10 years. Goes to su- two Super Bowls. Should have won two, won one. Um, and you're thinking, man, you compare him and the big moments in the playoffs to what Rodgers has done and how he's been knocked out. But, you know, Rodgers goes back-to-back MVP at his age. You've got Brady who leaves and goes and wins a Super Bowl with his new team. Um, and you see the struggle in Denver after the offseason of, is he going to, is he, not even offseason, going back to last season, he's on Thursday night football on Fox and they're doing a pregame interview with him and Aaron Andrews talking, you know, next to the Bay in Seattle about uh, if he wanted to be traded and what it was like with Pete Carroll. I mean, this is, it, it's been nuts. And right. and now the, the other part of this is Geno Smith is not just outplaying him. He's lapping him in his play, you know, like right. that's the other piece to it. And what exacerbates what's happening in Denver with specifically Russell Wilson, they've got too many good receivers. He, he inherited three good receivers, uh, a, a, dual threat uh, running back in Williams who got hurt. But again, he was there early offensive line. That should be fine. Should be okay with, with pieces and holes to fill, but again, should be okay. And then a defense that's allowing like 17 points per game. This should be a layup for a new head coach, an offensive coach and a, a veteran quarterback. That's been to two Super Bowls. This should be a layup. And instead it's like a half court shot um, with being blindfolded. Yeah, it's 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 awkward, and I don't see it improving. I think Hackett's out after this year, and we'll we'll see what Russ ends up with. I, he's not going anywhere based on his contract, and I I'm fascinated to see you know who, who they can piece with him um, because I I do think I mean we have seen him do great things, and he can certainly be the next splash, but it has been uh, you know a terrible terrible debut from russell wilson so far oh yeah yeah that's for sure 
Uh, Hunt, before we go, I, I got to know, as uh, as our Nashville guy here, I love going there. I'm usually there at least a couple times a year. Uh, what What's a night for you on 6th Street look like uh, or, or, or on, on, broad, on Broadway? Oh, on Broadway. 6th Street, we, Austin, getting those. So if, you're, if you're on Broadway, you are – you're a tourist, most likely. <laughs> Um, or you're doing so like we do our post game show for the Titans, uh, for our local radio affiliate here in town through the Outkick network. Um, part of that is we, you know, I used to work with Titans radio and I, I miss doing some post game elements and they asked me, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, the only time I'm on Broadway is for that specific uh, piece or it's, you know, going to a Preds game, which is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Great. Um, yeah. But if you've never been to Nashville, uh, if you're coming in for a, for an NFL game, go tailgate on Broadway and then walk across the pedestrian bridge to Nissan stadium for either the bowl game or, or, or for the NFL game. And it's only going to increase in popularity because we're getting the dome that got improved. Um, so the, the, the new 55,000 to 60,000 seat stadium is going to be in Nashville by like 2026 or 2027. If everything goes to, to plan, it's been approved. All the money's good. So, They'll break ground soon and um, we'll have a dome. So get ready for like WrestleManias and other things too. It's, it's, it's a, a fun place to live. Um, but the tur the tourists live on Broadway, go, go to Rippy's, go, go get you some good barbecue uh, at Edley's and then uh, check out uh, legends and Tootsie's. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. That's uh, you know what, you oh. know, it, we're, we're right off Broadway though. It's sixth and Peabody as you well know. Yeah. Yes. So uh, come get some old smoky moonshine and yeehaw beer, and we'll we'll toast to uh, to the Jones Report and and all the great work you're doing with Chat Sports. Hey, I appreciate it, Hutton. I'll uh, I'll definitely come back through uh, again soon. Uh, Why not? You're yeah. everywhere, man. What uh, what what's your next trip? Because you're at a NASCAR race, or you're at you know the you know you're at the shootout i'm trying to think of the other games i've seen you at you i was at uh oklahoma kansas last week uh, okay you're at the championship game speaking of the jayhawks i was I, uh I, I wish i was at the uh national championship i, I watched that from afar but i did uh oh you're at a, you're a sports bar that's right I was, yeah. yes uh, i was there in spirit uh i Sadly enough, I'm committing the cardinal sin this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to a wedding uh, okay. on Saturday. Uh, in well, it happens. You know, yeah. it happens. It, should, uh, it doesn't have. Thank goodness it doesn't happen more than it does, though. Like once every now and then is okay, I guess. You have to bite the bullet. Luckily, it's not last weekend, though. Last weekend, can you imagine all those great games going off at one time and having to be outside at yeah. a wedding? I've already told my bosses, I said, you know, what when I get – one more win from Kansas. I need off whatever day that is. I don't care where that bowl game is going to be. Might even be right here in, in Dallas, somewhere in Fort Worth or Frisco. But if it's the Bahamas, I don't care. I, I have to be at this Kansas bowl game wherever it's at. I've been waiting too long for this. Man, that's that the game day there was really cool um, yeah. watching that. That looked like a really fun scene. And, uh, you know, I – I jumped on board the Jayhawks bandwagon too. I, I loved the the storyline of what they were doing because they kept winning. When every week it was kind of like, ah, yeah, that they'll they'll turn into Kansas soon. You know, Duke will get them. You know, right? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, this is this isn't hoops. And um, it was it was. You say one more win. I mean, they're getting one more win. I hope. I mean, uh, we'll see. Just take it one week at a time. Obviously. Okay. All right. Uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think they get at least Texas Tech. Are they yeah. going to keep their coach? I think so. I think Lance Leipold, uh, Kansas got plenty of money. And he's actually what I found unique when they announced the stadium project a couple weeks ago to finally renovate that place and the football facility. He has direct say in how they renovate the football facility. Oh, wow. I've never, I've never heard that before from a head coach of being involved in the construction of saying, here's how I want my facility to be. To me, that kind of said, you know, hey, there's some long term play here. So, yeah, uh, it, you just, I hope for your sake that Nebraska doesn't come calling because uh, he makes a ton of sense there. Yeah, I think Wisconsin even makes more sense because that's where he's from. Uh, yeah, but isn't Jim Leonard, uh, I think Jim, Le it's his job to lose at this point. So, uh, we're just spitballing here. I love this, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious on Leipold. Jim Leonard, though, if he doesn't get the Wisconsin gig, he'll be in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done a good job. The, the, the one that, job that really intrigues me is who's going to be the next Auburn head coach when that opens. So, I mean, I mean, so Kiffin would crush it there, but I don't think he has to go there. He right. can win at Ole Miss. That, now, when I say win, he, he can win 10 games at Ole Miss. You can win a national championship at Auburn. Um, you know, Matt Rule is the smart play for me. There are certain coaches that just win in college. Matt Rule's one of them. He's a great uh, – he'll start from the bottom and quickly fire up a program. Um, did, we, we've seen it multiple times from him. Chip Kelly's another example. I w I'm not naming him for Auburn. I'm just saying we're seeing it now at UCLA, right. what he can do, and he was terrible in the pros. Urban Meyer is doing – I don't think Urban Meyer's – diving back in to the fire anytime soon like that. Um, and uh, there, there's probably one or two more at the lower tiered uh, group of five schools that would make some sense too. But uh, if I'm Auburn, I'm after Matt Rule. The problem is every week, I think this is the week that they're going to make a coaching change. And then they play in a, you know, a tight game and a shootout game. And it's very difficult to make the change. Yeah. That's a great question. See what happens. What about well, Hugh Freeze? Uh, Hugh Freeze is another one we should mention for Auburn. Oh yeah, that's another that's another one to throw in the mix there. They to me that the Freeze rule Kiffin dynamic that that fits them. I, I think that's uh, right now they don't have a a sitting athletic director. They don't have would, a, a permanent AD. So it would feel it sounds very, like their interim could get it. It would feel very similar to. Uh, the basketball hire they made with Bruce Pearl, if they brought exactly. in uh, Hugh Free, you know, kind of yep. second yep. chance, salvage things, you know, type of ordeal. Yep. Uh, Hutton, where can people uh, find you and see uh, everything you're doing, man? Well, first and foremost, join us at, at outkick.com. Uh, I, I write a weekly column on the NFL there, but we have great writers uh, as well covering all sports and, and, and culture, politics, analysis, whatever you want. Um, Outkick 360 is the daily show, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. Uh, we call it the Outkick Network, but it's as simple as going to YouTube and just typing in Outkick 360. And uh, personally, you can follow me at Hutton Outkick and let me know how terrible my opinions were on the NFL and college tonight. And uh, Tyler, I'll be watching you on uh, YouTube as well through Chat Sports. Hey, appreciate it, uh, Hutton. We'll uh, definitely be linking up here soon. Uh, I'll hit you up next time I'm in town and We'll uh, be talking again. Thanks for joining us, Matt. That sounds good, man. Anytime. Thank you.
Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He is also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every Monday and Friday, and he joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week? And we are doing well, staying busy, trying to keep things moving forward. This is a uh, strange kind of ye- type of year, you know, from here, really, you know, we're about a week and a half away from from Halloween, between now and like the end of the year, business kind of slows down, you know, for new business, it's a great time to kind of review stuff, but service stuff goes up. We have to keep thinking about that. So getting ready for that is always a little bit of a, uh, not an impediment by any means, but something we need to be ready for. So, yeah. Very nice. Reviewing stuff, making sure all of our stuff's still in place for the end of the year, make sure everybody's ready for 2023. So right. Yeah. Well, and uh you know, uh Bo, I'm headed to New Mexico this weekend for a wedding. Yeah. And I put out on social media that uh I put a little call to action. You know, KU's playing while I'm at this wedding. Kickoff is at at eleven, the wedding's at noon. And I put this call to action, Bo. I was very curious because I've never been to a Catholic wedding. I'm not I'm not Catholic. Yeah. How much of this game I was gonna see? And you hit me up and said, Hey, we we need to discuss this. So please uh tell me what I need to know. Okay, so a Catholic wedding. I am Catholic. I was baptized Catholic. I am not a practicing Catholic anymore. So don't hold that against me. But I have been around it. Okay. You're in for a long wedding. <laughs> You're in for a long one. What time does the wedding start? Uh, noon. Okay. You're going to be in the chapel from noon to at least 1.30. Okay. It may be longer. Okay. You are not going to get to watch much much or any of the game. You better be careful because if you do the earbud thing, this is where we go nowadays, we think, well, I'll put an earbud in, I'll listen to the broadcast, or I'll watch it on my phone. Then, you know, Fist pumps are going to be okay, but sit in the back. Okay. Sit in the back of the, ch- of the chapel because if you get too excited, people are going to know. You know, it's a big interception, a big fumble recovery, you know, a big touchdown, and you go, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, everyone in the chapel is looking at you. Right. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a long, if they're going to have a mass, you're going to have a long, long, Wedding to sit through. Right. I uh, I went to the last one of these I went to was a couple of years ago. A friend of mine got married in California and she had the full mass. And we were there for like an hour and 45 minutes for just the ceremony part. And look, it was beautiful. It, you know, most weddings are very pretty and they, they, they spend all the time on and the decor and everything looks lovely. That's not how I grade a wedding, though. No. And I think, John, this is something I'm going to pass to you. I want you to take this with you as you're at the age now where you're going to more and more weddings. you got to grade weddings. But everybody should have a scale, and I have a unique scale. Okay. I grade weddings on one thing and one criteria only, length of service. Okay. Shorter, the better. And A is we're in there five to ten minutes. We don't need to be in there all day. We don't have to have him, the, the guy, say a whole bunch of stuff. 
if the pastor wants to get up there or the officiant's going to say a whole bunch of stuff, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. You know, because there's somebody in the wedding party who's drunk. They're going to fall over. Something's going to happen. I'm not saying it's happened to me. It may have happened to me at one point in my life. But what I am saying is that keep this thing moving. I'm not trying to degrade our Catholic brothers out there and sisters out there, but I will say that you're going to get an F on the, on the criteria. <laughs> on the criteria. Only on length alone. Look, last one I went, absolutely beautiful. The bride was beautiful. Everybody looked good. The whole ceremony, it could not have been more first class. But it was an hour and 45 minutes. And I just don't have time for that shit. So I was like, that's an F. Man. You know, so if you're listening, and then when you, one day, Tyler, you're going to get married, I want you to think Coach Bo's rating class. Okay. And 30 minutes and, and below, you can still get a B. Okay. Keep it as a B. No one's going to remember how beautiful the ceremony was. They're going to remember how good the bride looked, and they're going to remember the party afterwards. That's the most important part. Right. Keep it moving. I I thought the other part of Bo's wedding scale would be the date of the wedding. Because for me, there's two things, Bo. One, obviously, I hate weddings during football season. And I have made my grievances known about this, that this is on a Saturday in the fall of this wedding. I've already stated that grievance. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's docked a couple points. But then, like, part of this reception is outdoors – in the fall, and I'm saying to myself here, Bo, uh, you can't do I, – I don't want anything related outdoors with a wedding unless it's in the month of May because sep- September on is football and August to June is too hot. And then there's always the rain factor. and You know, January to April, it's hit and miss on cold weather. So I thought for you the date – and then the location would be on the scale, too. Okay, yeah, the, the criteria for whether you have a good wedding is just that one thing. But here's what I will tell you. Your young audience will listen up on this, one, all right, because you're going to all get married at some point. I got married in 1999. My wife and I have been married ever since. This is 2022, 23 years later. And you're happily couple, married, right. Happily married and loved. When we got engaged... We were engaged for maybe about a year and a half. We tried to decide what our date was going to be. And the date was tough. You're on to it. We did not do a fall wedding. Don't do a fall wedding because it's it's, it's basketball, football season. Football season, I'm not traveling. I'm not going to someone's wedding during football season. I'm just not doing it. I'm not taking a Saturday and doing that. I had a buddy who got married in Mexico a couple years ago. And he called me as kind of a last minute thing. He was like six weeks out. And he was like, hey, I'd love for you to come. And I was like, my man, I'd come. You know, it's October, right? He's like, what do you mean? It's October. I'm not going to a wedding in October. Like, I don't do weddings during football season. Right. I'm not spending a Saturday or a Sunday because you got to go to a rehearsal dinner and the reception after the. No, I'm not doing that. No, period, point blank. So what we literally did 20 plus years ago, we got a big calendar. And we started marking off whole 
parts of the year. We're like, okay, no football season. We said no holidays. That's bullshit too. No Memorial Day weekend, no Labor Day weekend. That's for going and doing fun stuff. We also, here's when they got to learn in Lawrence, Kansas. Don't get married on a possible Final Four weekend. Mm. Or a possible, you know, Final Eight weekend if you live in the college basketball city like Lawrence, Kansas. You know why? People ain't coming to your fucking wedding. If KU has to play a Final Four game on Saturday night, guess where they're not going to go? Your wedding. Your wedding with the Oriad. I'm just telling. So, no. Cross that off. I also agree with you. No cold weathers. No summertime. Right. We ended on May the 1st. There you go. What did I just say? The month of May. May First, we had a beautiful outdoor ceremony in Kansas. It was beautiful. It was great. And here's the other gimmick of it. When you get married, especially a young couple, if you're my age now, you're in your late 40s, a little different. Your late 40s, you're not so worried about this. But in your 20s, you get married. What do you want? You want to invite a bunch of people, have a nice big party. But what are you really trying to get out of it, too? Wedding presents. You need guests. You need lots of guests. Don't give them a reason not to come because if they don't come, guess what they're going to forget to do? They're going to forget to send you a present to. So two things you need to do. It's one of two. One is figure out that weekend that you can have the wedding. May works great. Sometimes February can work really well. Don't do it Super Bowl weekend. The weekend after the Super Bowl is a good one. Yeah. NASCAR people, you know, that they turn a 500 weekend sometimes. Right. And you be, you be realize, realize that. You got some rednecks in your family, you know, that they, that's a big deal. Right. You know, but a lot of your weddings on Saturday, that's a, it's a Sunday race trip. So those kind of things. Keep that in mind. You know, you want to avoid, want to avoid spring break yeah. in your local area. You know, avoid those kind of things. Get the get the whole the whole calendar out and do it. That's yeah. what a smart couple does. Now, the other thing to do would be elope, go somewhere. This is what it, my wife and I talked about. This if we could do it over again, we would have gone to the, the, the Bahamas. We would have eloped. We would have got married there. Come back and had a party. Yeah. I totally believe in that. Totally and then you cover the honeymoon that way, too. What's that? Then you got the honeymoon cover. You got the honeymoon cover. You're already there. So that's that's what I would do. Anybody that asks me what I would do nowadays. And then I get, now, there are some people that are out there. that they It's a very religious ceremony, and I get that. So I'm not judging that. But I will say that, you know, if I was ever going to get married, that's what I'd do. Okay. My wife and I talked about it many times. If we had had our choices now, we would have gone somewhere, gotten married at a resort, stayed for another week, you know, or, or, or gone somewhere for two weeks, whatever it is. Come back and have at a reception. Those are the smartest. You're in for some shit for a, a Catholic wedding. That's going to be a long way. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, the reception, the food is going to be off the chain. It's steak and chicken. 
you are going to love the food. They are not going to get cheap on the food. You're going to have good food and plenty of drink. So I, I will say that they're not going to cheapen that shit. The uh, the wedding, by the way, uh, is one of my co-hosts on our other podcast that I do here at Studio Soapbox. Let's go racing, uh, Dominic Oregon. It's his wedding, oh, and uh, yeah. they're in San And so happy for Dominic, uh, but sure. I do have to give him uh, some shit for uh, this call to have the uh, wedding. Uh, yeah. at this point in the year and, and during football season, during the KU game, nonetheless. Well, see, in his and case, during NASCAR his... season, too, two for one. Well, yeah. yeah, I was about to say because NASCAR season is still David Starr can't go, he wanted to go, he can't. Yeah, that <laughs> makes it harder if you're in NASCAR because really your window of opportunity really closes because you got a short off time, right? And you basically have November, December, January, yeah, and they're all football fans, too. So, yeah, so. And, and weddings during the holidays are a pain in the ass, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't get into that. Yeah, anybody that gets married near the end of the year, New Year's Eve. I know some people get married New Year's Eve. Fuck them. No, 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 no. No, that's a terrible idea. Bo, uh, the uh, picks like this week. Let's do it. The college games, A+. plus. This is as good a college slate as we've seen all year. Yeah. Bill Slate is cheeks it is maybe yeah. the worst slate of the entire year so far here's the slate on the college side number nine ucla number 10 oregon oregon favored by six number 14 syracuse number five clemson clemson favored 13 and a half number 17 k-state and number eight tcu tcu favored three and a half number 20 texas number 11 oklahoma state texas favored by six on the road number 24 mississippi state number six alabama with the tide favored by 21 on the NFL side, chiefs and Niners chiefs, three point favorite on the road rematch of that uh, super bowl from a couple years ago, Colts and Titans Titans favored by three at home Falcons and Bengals, the Bengals favored by six at home Seahawks and chargers chargers favored by six and a half at home. And then the giants in the Jags the Jags favored by three at home. So both, Let's uh, go ahead and get started with the pick slate. Uh, the first game there on the docket, UCLA and Oregon, top 10 battle in the Pac-12, Oregon favored by six at home. Who do you got? Okay, this is the hardest of these five games in college to pick for me. Um, UCLA is really good. They score a lot of points. They've just come off of big wins versus Washington and Utah back-to-back. Both games they scored over 40 in. Both games they gave up 30. And they did both of them at home. They've got to go to Oregon. And I think that we look at Oregon and we think about week one when they got their doors blown off by Georgia. Right. And since then, Oregon has scored 70, 41, 44, 45, and 49 last week. Uh, The only one of those teams ranked at the time was BYU, who they beat by 21. I... This, a lot of those statistics are telling me that Oregon at home should win, and they are a pretty sizable favorite. I think this normally would have been a little higher of a spread because uh, Oregon scoring so many points, but UCLA has come up with two big upsets. But UCLA is for real. I'm going to buck the trend here a little bit. I'm going to take UCLA in the points. 
But this was the hardest game for me to pick out of these five. Um, I wouldn't personally touch this game. It'll be a fun game. I plan to watch a lot of it. But I'll take UCLA plus plus points. I like UCLA here, too, for the same reasons you said. UCLA is legit. Chip Kelly's done a really good job. I'll go with the uh, Bruins to cover. It's a six-point underdog here. I like them to win straight up, too, not just cover. Uh, And I think they absolutely can. Yeah. I think UCLA can can possibly take the the lead and be the team in the the Pac-12 that could make a run in a playoff spot. But they're going to have to win this, and they're going to beat USC later in the year, too. Yeah. Number 14, Syracuse. Number five, Clemson. Clemson favored by 13 and a half. Both teams are undefeated. Bo, uh, last week was a big test for Syracuse. It was their are we good or not game, and they exceeded with 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 flying colors. Really good performance for them. Taking on a Clemson team who finds themselves number five in the land, but I don't think Clemson's really that great here. Clemson 13 and a half. What do you think, Bo? Vegas sure seems to like Clemson here. Um, yeah, that's a lot of points. And see, you said it really well, that last week was the, is Syracuse good? They played at home. You know, I think most of us picked NC State. I picked NC State. I picked Syracuse. Did you pick Syracuse? I picked me and Tom picked UCLA. Um, I picked, I picked Tennessee too last week. That was a good pick. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. (laughs) But I, um. I, I, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Syracuse in this game. I think 13 and a half is a lot. I Clemson, Clemson's better than I want to give them credit for. <laughs> but they, but the, the three big games they've played this year versus Wake, versus NC State, versus Florida State have all been within a touchdown. I don't see them winning by two touchdowns off the 13. I don't either. I like uh, I like Syracuse here. I think Clemson wins, but I think Syracuse can at least be yeah. respectable, keep it close to the 13 and a half. K-State taking on TCU. TCU favored by three and a half. TCU won a close one in double overtime last week against Oklahoma State. K-State's been a whole different team since they lost to Tulane. They've played a lot better football. Got that win against Oklahoma. TCU uh, three and a half at home. What do we think, Bo? I – okay – I'm not going to go full-on fraud. But what I am going to say is I don't think K-State's very good. Okay. You know, you mentioned they lost the Tulane. Tulane's now ranked and a covering machine, by the way. Hint, hint. Yeah. Go to my, go to my show notes and you'll find out about that. Um, <laughs> they beat Oklahoma. Talking about K-State. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Texas Tech at, at home. Then they scored nothing against Iowa State. I mean, 10 points against Iowa State in what was really just a crap game. Had a week off, and they're playing TCU. I like TCU, and I like TCU because they can score a lot of points. They will score a lot of points in this game. The game's at home. I'm taking TCU. I don't have any problem laying three and a half here. I don't think K-State can stay up with them offensively. Yeah. Um, this one here for me, I, uh, I like TCU here. That offense is so good. They're the home team three and a half. It could still be a good game too. And K-State wins by six or seven. So, or, or TCU rather, I'll go with the TCU here. So both so far, you and I agree, uh, we're three for three at this point. Let's see if we get some separation here. 
Uh, next one on the docket, Texas and Oklahoma State. Game is in Stillwater. The horns are red hot right now. Oklahoma State's coming off a loss, and they're a home underdog by six. What do we think, Bo? So the home underdog thing is usually the trap. You usually want to take your home underdogs plus your points. I was very disappointed with how Oklahoma State played in the second half of that game with DCU last week. I mean, very disappointed. They had that game in control, and it was a done deal. And they let TCU back in the game. I think this is going to be a slide now for Oklahoma State. A week ago, I was talking about Oklahoma State has a chance to go to the the college football playoff. I just was so upset and unimpressed with how they played in the second half. That is going to hang over into this game. I'm going to take Texas minus six. Breaks my heart to pick Texas, but I'm going to take Texas minus the six. I just think we're going to see a bit of a slide from Oklahoma State this week. Okay. We have our first disagreement here. I I like the trap of the home underdog, personally. I think Oklahoma State can bounce back here. I could see this being a, a game that goes either way, uh, personally. And, in fact, I might even lean towards Texas to win it. But with that, uh, this to me feels like a good spot to take Oklahoma State to cover as a three-point or as a, a six-point underdog at home. I'll go with the Pokes in this one. Last college game, Mississippi State taking on Alabama. Alabama, a 21-point favorite, coming off the loss to Tennessee here. Very sad news about a uh, young player at Mississippi State passing away uh, just this week. Uh, Bo, in, in this game here, Alabama coming off a loss, which doesn't happen very often. I have to think this Alabama team, if Nick Saban gets his message across, is going to play very angry here. 21, might they might win by 42. Well, all right, here's where I'm at on this. One, I don't disagree with you. Um, Bama did not play well against Tennessee. Tennessee came out and punched Matt Bama in the mouth last week. I mean, Bryce Jones Al- played well. Yeah, well, I thought I did think Bryce Young played well. I thought he, you know, his stats weren't like mind blowing stats, but his play was excellent. But the 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 Alabama defense played really poorly, and they didn't look ready at the beginning. Uh, Mississippi State has been a team that has gone out and scored a lot of points in games this year. Alabama is all of a sudden allowing points. I think that 21 is too many. I'm going to take Mississippi State plus 21 in a game that I do think Alabama is going to win. But I can see these guys in Mississippi State rallying together with one of their guys uh, going down, going down, literally passing away this afternoon. Um, uh, it's a sad state of what's going on. Gentlemen, young man's name was Sam Westmoreland, if you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, died uh, today. And I think that will bring that team together. I mean, they'll keep the game somewhat close. And so I'm going to go ahead and take Mississippi State plus 21. But I do think Bama wins and probably controls the game. It just seems like a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's hard to, hard to lay that many points in the game. 
So you're taking so so you're taking Mississippi State here. Yeah, I think Mississippi State plus twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I see where you're going at. I, I don't necessarily think that you're you're wrong, uh, but I, I I can't bet against Bama that they won't have a response. Uh, I'm going to go agree there. with that too. I'm yeah, going to. I just the numbers too big. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bama here at 21 to cover. To the NFL. If you told me this was 14, if you told me this was 14 or even 17, I'd probably agree. Yeah, to the NFL. 21's a lot. Chiefs and 49ers. Chiefs favored by three on the road. Bo, uh, what do we think here? How do the Chiefs respond after that loss to the Bills last week? They're going to respond well. They don't lose much to losing a game. Andy Reid doesn't do that. Um, he's the best after I, coming off a loss. Yeah, I mean, he's he's phenomenal after a loss. I think San Francisco's in a lot of trouble. I went back and watched a lot of their game against the Falcons this week. San Francisco's been a team that wants to run the football, run it, run it, run it. Last week, they didn't do that. They had Garoppolo throw, back, throw the ball too much because they got down by the Falcons by 14 early. I expect the same thing to happen here. I think the Chiefs are going to win this in a walk away. I don't think this game is going to be close at any point. Give me the Chiefs. The three is a gift. They might win by 30. I mean, this is going to be 30s big. They're going to win by two touchdowns. They're going to win big. Chiefs. I think the Niners are very overrated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that, that team has issues. And, you know, I look at these power rankings people are posting, Bo. And people are still rating the Niners in top five, top six. I'm like, what have they done to earn that? That is a flawed football team with, you know, an an average quarterback at best in Garoppolo. They got a lot of issues. Chiefs are going to play well. I like the Chiefs to take care of business and uh, win and cover easily on the road against San Fran here. Colts and Titans. Titans favored by three at home. Bo, this is a huge game in the AFC South. Yeah, this is the hardest game of our slate in the NFL to pick. These are two very mediocre teams. Uh, It's a big game in the division. The Titans have not been good at all. The Colts have games where there are glimpses of being good, and there's glimpses where they're bad. It all relates to one thing and one thing only. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan currently leads the league in interceptions. But he's also like fifth in passing yardage. So it's one of those, you're either going to get good Matt Ryan or you're going to get bad Matt Ryan. So when I was looking at this, I wanted to go back and look at the Titans defense and say, all right, what do the Titans defense do well and not well? You know what they don't do well? They don't stop the passing game very well. They're near the bottom in takeaways. They're near the bottom when it comes to a point uh, yards allowed in the passing game. I'm taking the Colts to win outright and the plus take the plus three here is easy. I like the Colts outright. It, it's a close, loss, a close game, but give me the Colts. I don't see how the Colts are going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a very good game. And, and uh, I like what I've seen, uh, you know, here from, you know, looking at this matchup of what the, the Titans run came can bring to the table. I'll go with Tennessee 
at home to win, but I don't feel very confident in that pick. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. I will say on the Derrick Henry front, the biggest problem I see with the Derrick Henry piece is they can't commit to rushing the ball. It, he, the, the, the Titans just don't seem to get it when it comes to what they're trying to do with Derrick Henry. He's not getting him enough carries. He's not getting good enough blocking up front. He's having he's not even in the top 10 right now in rushing yardage. Um, I was trying to look at yards per carry, but I couldn't find that earlier. Um, it, it's just one of those things where I look at it right now and I go, man, he, he is actually, he's 10th in rushing yards. He's 408 yards on 104 carries, 3.9 yards carry, which is well below what he's used to doing. Right. So I, I see your point there, and, and my brain would tell me the same thing. Yes, Derrick Henry, that rushing game, it'll slow the offense down. They don't take the ball away. And to beat the Colts, all you're going to have to do is stop Matt Ryan. Right. But I I don't think that they can. We'll see. That, that Tennessee defense isn't very good. Falcons and uh, Bengals. Falcons, I thought, had the worst rock roster in the league when they ended the season. And – Credit to Arthur Smith and company. They have played above their talent. The Bengals, on the other hand, have played below their talent. They're a six-point favorite at home here. Bo, what do you think about this game? Okay, this has been – you're spot on with the, the, with the Falcons. I thought this was one of the worst teams in the league. I thought the Falcons were one of the teams playing for the first pick in the draft. I think they thought they were too. They have played outstanding the last couple of weeks. Every game is close. They are 6-0 and against the spread this year. Have you seen that yet? Yeah. However, the Bengals are improving every single week. Burrow's getting more comfortable. They're keeping him upright. He's thrown one interception since week one. Chase got hot last week and had a big game. I expect more of that. I think what we're going to see here is just the, the – Bengals outscoring the Falcons. I'm going to lay six here. Not real confident. Bengals win. I'll go ahead and lay the six. Falcons, I'll keep in mind, though, six and zero versus the spread this year. This, I think without that stat, this game would have been an eight or nine point spread. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go with the home team here. I think eventually the Falcons got to come back down to earth. And the Bengals, you know, Super Bowl loss, hangover, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they, they, they're going to turn a corner eventually, I feel. This could be a good time to start heading in the right direction. I'll go with Cincinnati to win and cover. The Seahawks taking on the Chargers. Chargers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Bo, uh, the Seahawks have been one of the biggest surprises of the entire year. They have a shot at the playoffs. That's not a reach. I mean, realistically. At all. I mean, there's seven teams that, in each conference in – you might be able to get in with an 8-9 record. It's not far-fetched that Seattle could win five more games at this point and get one of those spots. Um, meanwhile, the Chargers, they're 4-2. I like that Charger team, but I'm worried about where Justin Herbert's at right now. I mean, since that rib injury, he just doesn't look right. Yeah, and in the pass rush, has got a, they've got a – the Chargers' pass rush has had some issues already this year. Uh, they've had a loss up front. The Chargers have killed me the last two week the last two weeks uh spread wise. They should have blown the Broncos out, no question. They didn't even keep that. That game was way too close for way too long. 
Uh, the fact they got down to the Broncos was ridiculous. I think you're right. I think Herbert is not right 100%. He's certainly not 100%. I don't think he's right at all. And Seattle is playing mistake-free football. They're doing what teams that don't have one of those tippy-top quarterbacks do. Get solid quarterback play, play good defense, and run the football. They do all three of those things. Geno Smith's been the most efficient passer in the league this year. And he it's crazy how good he's been. He doesn't throw 400-yard games. He doesn't even have 300-yard games. He doesn't need to. They've got a great committee at running back right now. Play good defense. I'll take Seattle plus the points here. I like Seattle here too. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle straight up wins this game either based on the way they've shocked people every week this year. Yeah. Um, they'll make it interesting. I like the Chargers to win, but I like the uh, Seahawks to cover uh, that uh, that margin. Too many points, six and a half for a Chargers team that just isn't all there quite yet. And they worry me sticking Herbert out there right now. Like, if I'm the Chargers, why at this point? I mean, let him rest, let him fully recover, and then you know make it make sure. I think that they're risking too much putting him out there when he's not 100. You know, of what could hurt them down the road potentially. Last game, Giants and Jags. The Giants, the biggest surprise of the year, only one loss at this point. Great job there for that team. The Jags, they've lost three in a row. Trevor Lawrence played a perfect game last week, and they still lost. Um, Bo, this is interesting because the Giants are the red-hot team, but the Jags are favored by three at home. How does that make any sense? Well, I think it has to do more with what we've seen. The Jags are like a roller coaster. They just go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. It's when, when, they, when they're in certain games, they seem to be able to run up points. Put 38 on the Chargers, 20, uh, score 21 on the Eagles, which the Eagles ain't messing around, 27 against the Colts last week. But they seem to have these games where they just can't quite connect, like when they they lost to the Texans two weeks ago. Um, I think it's one of these where if Jacksonville gets out and scores 28, they're going to win because the Giants cannot score a lot of points. Their defense keeps it in games, and the games are always close. They're not going to beat anybody by a big number, but no one's going to beat them by a big number. I like the Giants. They're doing the same kind of thing the Seahawks are doing. Solid play from a quarterback. He's not great. Dino Smith's probably better than Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley has had an outstanding season to date, maybe been the best running back in the league right now. To me, he's in the top five. If you were going to say a you know first third of the season MVP, I said on my party, I thought he'd be fourth or fifth right now. He's playing fantastic football. I'm taking the Giants here plus three, and I would not be at all surprised if the Giants win this game in Jacksonville. Yeah, um, I'm going with the Giants here. Um, I like the way the Giants are playing football. Uh, you know, Saquon has found new life too. Um, Saquon's running the football really well. Jags, I can't trust. Uh, Jags might have a higher ceiling. I think if both teams play their best, the Jags probably win. Um, but I don't know what Jags team's going to show up. So, Bo, I agree with you. I'll take the Giants as well to cover. So, 
there you have it. That's uh, our picks against the spread this week uh, here on the uh, Jones Report. Uh, Bo, let's uh, move on now and uh, let's just stay in the uh, the NFL discussion at, at this point in time. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. We have the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs, those three teams at the top of the mountain. Is there anyone you see having any chance to compete with those three, or does it feel like it's over already, just those three and then everyone else? Is there anyone that you expect to join that elite class? I I don't expect one right now. I'll tell you who I'm interested to see in the next few weeks. I'm interested to see what the Cowboys do with Dak Prescott getting healthy. Um, that NFC East is a monster right now. Right. We did not expect that coming in. But, um, you know, I do think it's it's Buffalo, it's it's Kansas City, and I think the Eagles are probably the third best team, if I had to guess. I know the Eagles are the one undefeated team, but it, if you're looking at them, Buffalo's the best team. I really think if you look at those teams, Buffalo's the best. But I don't think it's a huge drop-off to Kansas City. Casey played with them. That was a great game. In the end, it came down to one mistake. Um, and then you look at the Eagles. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. Jalen Hurts played fantastic football. I don't see any team right now as good as those three. I don't think there's anyone on the horizon that can ascend to it right now. I'd like to see what happens if the Cowboys get Dak Prescott back. Their defense has played so much better than I thought they would this year. It will be helpful. I'd like to see the Giants score more points. Giants can score more points. Then I'd probably be on them to join that club. Because uh, I, I like the run game. I like the defense. Again, I think that's something that can happen. It's not having that really high-end quarterback. We're going to see more and more teams do that. They just say, hey, we don't have that guy. Let's build what we can. But I don't see anybody else. Um, you know, some people talk about the Vikings. I'm not 100% sold on the Vikings because of I don't like Kirk Cousins. But I, if there had to be one, they could be it. I don't see anybody in the AFC that's going to give Buffalo or Kansas City a real, a real hurt for that first or second seed. And the Eagles, it's a matter of staying out of their own way in the division. If they can keep winning games in the division, they're going to be fine. Uh, I think the Packers are in a lot of trouble. I think the Bucks are in a lot of trouble. I think the whole NFC West is in trouble. I think the whole AFC South is in trouble. I don't know if anybody's any good in the AFC North right now. I mean, I kind of think the Bengals are the best team, but they can't stop anybody half the time either. So, Ravens don't know how to finish a football game. Exactly. And, hell, I, I don't know if the Jets aren't the second-best team in, or the third-best team in the AFC right now. Yeah. I mean, I it's showing me that the quarterback play thing is – I don't want to say it's unimportant because if you've got Josh Allen or if you've got Patrick Mahomes, boy, it covers up a lot of, of warts. But, man, some of these teams that have got to figure it out and who have quarterbacks who aren't good, but they can football very, very well. Boy, it really helps. You know, I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers and I'm going, 
Why are you this bad? That's a bad football team with maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when there is a quarterback. He's playing like crap. And they've got a run game. They got two backs that are both really good. Run the football. Shorten right. the game. Quit making mistakes. Here, here's what I point to, Bo. Um, I was just thinking about this. I'm curious how you feel. I think one problem that we see around the league is these teams are not self-aware in their quarterback situation. This is what I, I explained by this. Um, if you are a team, let's say, like Seattle um, or the Giants, you know your quarterback's not that great, and you've been playing to the strengths of the personnel you have. Meanwhile, if you're a team like Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing good, it's not like that they've said, fine, we're going to commit to the run game and not make Aaron do too much. No, they're still trying to force that. Or the Raiders, they're still try- they, they're not aware that Derek Carr ain't that good, and they're still trying to make him play, you know, throw the ball 40 times a game, whatever. To me, there is um, – we've talked about my, my Dak Prescott rule for a long time, you know, and all that, what was Ryan Tannehill. I almost want to come up with the – the self-awareness rule. If you're a head coach, you need to know your personnel and, and what what's best to get the most out of your team in that sense. Well, let's give you some examples of you that. Can win, you. you can win with like a, a Kirk Cousins or even a Derek Carr, but you need to know how to use them right. Yeah. Okay, so I'll say it like this. There are some examples where, yes, very true. This year, we've seen it already with Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has always had good stats. He just makes a lot of mistakes. He's cut down on the mistakes. They've been really good. Let's look at teams like the 49ers and the Rams. I mean, the Rams, Matt Stafford has had great numbers throughout his career. Last year he played especially well in the second half of the season. But he's not playing well. They're not good. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray hasn't played well. They're not good. The Packers are the number one team in this. Rodgers isn't playing well. They're not good. Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is washed. He's not good. They're not good. There's plenty of these out there. But then there's teams like Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a young – I mean, he was the number one pick in the draft. I get that. But the Jets, Jacksonville, Miami with two a healthy. The Giants, even the Eagles. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts has improved every year of his career. Yeah. He's not in the class with Mahomes and and Allen, and no one would argue that. Hell, he wouldn't argue that, and their staff wouldn't argue that. Right. But he doesn't make mistakes. They take his skill set, put it into their offense, and help it. It shows me that you can do it. You can be competitive without the top guy. But then also, if you don't have the top guy and you went and drafted one and and he's not it, you better make a change quick. Right. And there's teams that aren't done that. You know, what do the 49ers think of Trey Lance now? I mean, yeah, he got hurt this year again. But, you know, what do they think? What are the Rams going to do? New Orleans is in the same boat. They put a lot of trust in Jameis Winston. He gets hurt, you know, and he wasn't going to be that guy it looks like now anyway. Right. I mean, we've got some quarterbacks and some teams that are that are 
playing above expectations. And because the quarterbacks are in situations where they're being put their best skills to use. Marcus Mariota is having a fantastic season. Right. He's not going to win a single damn award, nor should he. But Marcus Mariota is capable. And the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons are three and three. Right. They've got the same number of wins as the Saints and Panthers. Right. Who thought they both had chances of being something. The Panthers with Baker Mayfield and the Saints with Jameis Winston. Right. You, you don't have to have a tippy-top guy, but what you see is if you don't have a tippy-top guy, you better have a coaching staff that's aware. Right. It's a really way of putting it. Being aware of what you got. Yes. I mean, look at what Seattle has done. What Seattle did is exactly what teams ought to do. They said, Russ ain't cooking, and that guy ain't that good. Let's take maybe take a hit. They figured it out that, hey, maybe they're not necessarily taking a hit with Geno Smith. They're just playing different. Right. This this league is evolving. It's always evolving. And when you have the tippy-top guys, you're going to be in games. The Chargers are going to be okay when Herbert's 100%. That's going to help them. It's hurting them right now. Right. What the, what the Seahawks found with Geno Smith was – the perfect holdover to give them time to find their guy. If yeah. there was a guy in this draft that they thought was it, then they would have brought him in. Um, they didn't see their guy there. This okay. next draft, they get to scour things, see if they find somebody they like. If not, do another year with Gino again until they find, yeah. he, he buys them time, essentially, to get it yeah. right in the quarterback spot. One more thing on the NFL before we move on to college football here. Trade deadline's coming up in a couple of weeks. And I'm looking at there, there's three things I've noticed, Bo. Everyone from the Panthers is on the market and some decent <laughs> players, too. Yeah. Like that. Um, decent number of running backs and wide receivers also available throughout the league as well. Um, we could we could see a very, very interesting movement over the next couple of weeks. Some teams could, I think, are, are gonna be have ever reason to be active, be buyers here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there are teams that can ascend. We talked about we didn't think there were many that were going to ascend to the top, but there's some that can improve their team. Um, you know, look at the Giants. Look at the Cowboys. Um, someone in the NFC South has got to step up and win. I don't know who that is. Right now, hell, it might be the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the NFC West. I mean, are the Rams going to do anything? I mean, they're the most talented team in that division. But what's to stop Seattle from going to get another receiver or adding some other firepower to the defense, possibly? You know, in the AFC East, can the Dolphins add another piece? Can the Jets get another piece? All the teams in the North have got to do something. I mean, there's a lot that can happen. I mean, we, we know that Panthers are going to have a, a garage sale. They've already started that. I think another piece of it is that Odell Beckham is out there. Right, and he's going to sign somewhere in the next few weeks. As soon as he gets 100 percent cleared for football uh, play, we've seen he looks pretty healthy. You know, the Chiefs just did something with the salary cap with Kelsey, which tells me that they're looking at Odell Beckham. Um, Buffalo is going to look at Odell Beckham. There, there's going to be some teams that add. That's the, I wonder if that's going to happen before or after the trade deadline. 
If it happens after the deadline, Odell Beckham's price goes up. But if I'm a team, I mean, a guy like DJ Moore is out there. Christian McCaffrey can be had for the right price. Why wouldn't the team go get Christian McCaffrey? And you can make the money work salary cap-wise. This year, he's cheap. You may have to give up a one for him, but if you're a good team, a late one might be all right. Yeah. Something to think about. Uh, hey, what about the what about if the Philadelphia Eagles traded their number one next year? Um get McCaffrey. They, they may not have one. They traded they were the other way with the Saints trade, what they weren't they? They gained the one from the Saints. No, they they got one from the Saints. Yeah, so they've got essentially a pick they could trade. Yeah. I mean, they need another we'll back to compliment Miles Sanders. Yeah, give them that and and see a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield as well. Another, another weapon, you know. I mean, you know, there, there's going to be some movement. A yeah, I, I, I don't like running backs on their second contract. I, I want to be bringing in McCaffrey personally. I would. I'd take a shot if I'm one of those those teams. He's already had plenty of injury issues too. I get that. But I think if I'm one of those teams that's that's close enough to get there, like if I think I can make it work this season to get into the playoffs and I have a shot and I don't have an every down back, I'd consider it. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's not very many of those. But if I'm that team, you, you know, you might consider that guy that situation. Figure you get him for the next couple of years and you work you work the money out later. Uh, college football-wise, um, you know, we were talking for the first couple weeks of the season. It felt mm-hmm. like it was Alabama, Georgia, and then everyone else. Um, now, after Alabama loses Tennessee that way, Tennessee looks legit. Ohio State and Michigan look legit. Georgia does. Uh, obviously, I don't think Alabama's bad either. I mean – they played right to the tail, you know, of, of Tennessee yeah. winning that game there. I think, Bo, I, I am willing to admit I was wrong. There is more parity in college football than I expected here. I mean, there are there, – there's several good teams. Yeah, I think the big thing is that there's not a lot of good defenses. Yes? I think that's a big part. Why I think Georgia and Ohio State are probably the two best teams – their defenses. Still think Alabama's a great team. I Tennessee's obviously a good team. They, they just beat Alabama. And they beat up Alabama in that game. They got on them early and did not, not turn the throttle down at all. And Alabama got back in that game and it comes down to the last couple last few minutes. So I'm willing to put Tennessee up there. It'll be interesting to see. Tennessee has to play Georgia in a few weeks. I saying I'm not sold on Michigan, but Michigan's performance the last two weeks, the way they came back and balled out against Indiana in the second half and dominated Penn State, makes me think they're they, they really they dominated Penn State in their game. That makes me think they're legit. If I was going to rank them right now, I think Ohio State would be number one if I was ranked. Yeah, I'd have Georgia two, 
I'd probably have Michigan three, then Tennessee, then Alabama. Okay. I still think ten. I still think Clemson's not very good. Uh, TCU is a high scoring team, but I want to see if they play a team with a defense. And then UCLA, I think, is sitting at nine or ten in another poll. Uh, and then you know Oregon and them are kind of nine and ten. You I look at those two and I go, okay, we'll know more about those two teams after this week. If UCLA wins that game this week, then I'm willing to move them up a little further. I didn't know how the whole Pac-12 was going to shape up, and USC's loss to to uh, Utah last week was disheartening to me. Yeah, because they had a chance. They should have USC should have won that game. They outplayed Utah throughout that game. Utah got back in it late in the game, went for two at the end of the game, and that's how they won. USC had a chance, couldn't do anything. It tells me that they're just not ready defensively yet. You got to have a good defense to be there. You may be right on the parity stuff, but I still think there's two dominant teams at the top. Alabama clearly isn't as dominant as we thought they were, having lost to Tennessee and damn near losing to Texas. You know, so that that tells me something, but I don't expect Bama to lose again. Right. And, well, not not the regular season. They have five games up at Mississippi State, LSU, Old Miss. They have a non-con against Austin Peay and then Auburn. Bama gets another shot. They get a shot at that winner of the Georgia-Tennessee game. Right. So that's what could throw this all into a whole big deal. Georgia plays Tennessee next week. Winner of that game is going to the SEC championship. Uh, Heisman race also pretty wide open, right? Yeah, I think – well, I think C.J. Stroud's pretty far ahead right now. You think so? I, I do. I think, I think he's, he's that out. much farther ahead than Hendon Hooker? I do. I, I I think that Hendon Hooker beating Alabama was a big deal. He had his highest was, moment. I, I Yeah, what if he loses to Georgia in two weeks? It's all for not. Isn't Ohio that- State's been dominant. I, and, look, I'm an SEC guy, and, and, and I hate saying it, but, God, C.J. Stroud and Ohio State have been dominant throughout the whole season. I can see Hennon Hooker being there. He'll be one of those guys at the in New York. But, no, I think it's the C.J. Stroud outside of a, a really – he had a really bad performance against Michigan maybe. I don't see him doing that. I think he's going to walk away with it. Uh, we are seeing it getting a little more clear. I mean, maybe it's a two-man race. Is – Bryce Young does not have sexy stats, and you know they've lost the game this week. But man, Bryce Young played really well in that game. Yeah, and he's the reason they beat Texas. His play in the fourth quarter, especially, is the reason Alabama beat Texas. To me, he's one of the best three players in the country. I, I, I tend to think if you're going to have one of those three guys win it. I don't think it's Bryce Young now just because of the loss, and they're probably going to lose in the SEC championship if it's if it's Georgia. But I – yeah, I mean, I see where you're going. There's a little more contenders in there, a couple maybe a, a, a little further back. I want to rule out Caleb Williams either. I think – I think the Caleb Williams thing is they really had to run the table. I just – and and I was looking. I was I'm on the USC bandwagon. I thought they were going to do it. I thought they were going to win last week. I thought they'd be the team that beats UCLA. 
I thought that was a playoff team. Last week changed my opinion on a couple of teams. And unfortunately, yeah, I I think Caleb Williams and everything USC going on, he, he needs a little help. I also like Blake Corr from Michigan, too. He's balling out, but also he's on the West Coast and nobody sees him play. Everybody was watching that game last week. Name another game of USC you watched this year. Uh, I watched the Oregon State game. Okay, so you watched Oregon State and you watched Utah. And those are the two games they played the worst in. Yeah. I mean, they lost last week. They beat Oregon State by three. I like Blake Corum at Michigan, too. He's having a historic season. He's yeah, he's quite good. I, yeah, I, I still think right now it's I, I, I think Stroud's going to get it. I wouldn't bet on anybody else. He was my preseason pick, but I think it's more wide, more open than you think. I think there's a number of guys that can make a case. We'll see. Uh, Bo, we're oh, gonna we go. Case. Oh, we can definitely. I mean, you can definitely make a case for Hidden Hooker. You can definitely make a case there. Yeah, I, I'm not arguing that. But what I am arguing is, in the end, Stroud's going to win it. And I think he's going to win it pretty – not a wide margin, but by a margin. We'll see. He's uh, Coach Bo. Check him out. O'Connor Advisor Group, OHGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Also, Coach Bo Knows Podcast out each and every Monday and Friday. Bo, thanks for the time as always. We'll talk to you next Tyler, week. Tyler, thank you, buddy. Talk to you next week. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Foley story of the week where we find out something ridiculous happening in the world. With uh, Thomas Bridges out this week, we bring back in Jose Soto, who is uh, here with us uh, to give uh, something extraordinary happening in the world. We'll put it that way. Uh, Jose, uh, this is your first crack at Tom Fullery. You know Thomas <laughs> Bridges as well as uh, as any of us. And so uh, we'll turn it to you to, to do uh, your best Thomas Bridges here with uh, this week's Tom Fullery. <laughs> All right. Well, this is something that I saw that was kind of intriguing that, you know, not really something I thought about. But, um, you know, you, you've heard of the new Dahmer series going on in Netflix yes. recently, right? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really popular right now. You know, a lot of people are, are talking about it with, you know, how gruesome it is and everything that they show on there. But um, so I saw this article that said apparently eBay is removing all Jeffrey Dahmer costume items off their listings. So the reasoning behind that says closely associated with or that benefit violent felons, their acts or crime scenes within the past hundred years. I mean, I've never seen anything, heard of anything happening like that before. So this is kind of a first of my, you know, to see this. I thought that was kind of interesting, especially with Halloween, the season upon us. You know, um, know, I'm sure people are going to be trying to, you know, dress up like him due to the series. So what are are your takes on that, Jones? Uh, So no Jeffrey Dahmer items of sorts for Halloween. Uh, I get what eBay's doing here. You know, this is not a, you know, some people will call it a cancel culture thing or something like that. I mean, this this is not it. It's totally understandable where, where eBay's coming from here. I mean, because, you know, it, it's one of those deals, Jose, I, I put it this way, you know, we we kind of take the human element out of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I saw something the other day that had Jeffrey Dahmer listed as the, like the fifth most popular 
TV character on Netflix right now. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I mean, Cuss. TV character? This is a guy. <laughs> I mean, like, his the families of his victims are still alive. I mean, yeah. come on here. I mean, he's not a, Jeffrey Dahmer is not a TV character to them. He's a killer. You know I mean? He, he's a murderer. I mean, so that's where I look at, to me, where we all have to kind of take a couple steps back here. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer, if he was just a TV character, I think we all would be like, yeah, I mean, you'd be almost rooting for the bad guy almost. And maybe you do. That would fit the definition. If you're trying to be scary for Halloween or something like that, yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah, that's going to you know freak some people out. But then right. it's like two steps back of, oh, yeah, this was a real story here. That, that to me, is uh where i connected to it's almost like when uh you're watching a movie and it says based on a true story and you're disappointed because you're like man i was rooting for the bad guy and that's a real story here i mean so right that's what i look at with this Dahmer stuff is you know uh, of just being careful as far as when it comes to your halloween costume or whatever it may be i mean there there is a human element involved here that can't be ignored no, exactly. Like, this isn't, you know, the you character, Joe Goldberg, for instance. You know, Joe Goldberg is is someone where you're watching, and he does, you know, some crazy things throughout the show, you, which I don't know if you, you've seen it or not. Um, but, no. you know, it's it's like a psychological thriller, and that's a character. Like, you know, the, the actor Pin Bagley is not actually doing this in real life but you know it's just a character in a show but yeah i mean when it comes to you know real life you know true story stuff you definitely gotta kind of separate that and and you know definitely understand like like these are like horrific crimes like killing people and eating them and all that stuff it's just not right so um yeah definitely condolences to those families that have been affected uh, but yeah, that's that's something for me. I thought I was like, well, that's that's interesting. That's good. An yeah. interesting read uh, that I saw. Jose, you uh, you just had a Halloween party, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I didn't. I did not attend. Uh, I, I, I wasn't invited. No, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. That was, <laughs> uh, I, I was at the Oklahoma Kansas game last weekend. I had to work on Sunday. But what what did uh, what did you dress up as uh, for your Halloween party? Did, were, were you scary or something? What would you come up with? <laughs> well, it wasn't anything crazy or scary, um, but, you know, me and my girlfriend ended up dressing up as I was uh, Ash Ketchum, and she was Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> were there uh, yeah. Were there some scary costumes that, uh, that came up? Oh, man, I don't think I really saw anything scary. I saw uh, some, uh, some Mexican ghosts, which were just like uh, some sheets and... Uh, like uh, Mexican sheets and some eyes cut out. Um, and then what else did I see? I saw some referees, some blind refs were there. Um, oh, that's a classic. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic. And then, um, oh, you know what? Miguel. Miguel was actually uh, Argyle from Stranger Things. But after he took off his long wig hair that was so hot, Everyone thought he was uh, DJ Steve Yoki instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's probably the, the best costume out of the ones that I've seen. So 
Last year, Jose, I uh, I went to a Halloween party uh, as a cowboy. I had my Western shirt, my jeans, my boots, and my cowboy hat. But now that I live here in Texas, and you know, I like to go to Fort Worth, go to stockyards and all that, I'll wear that attire just to go out, you know, to Cowtown, to Fort Worth. So <laughs> I don't know if I can dress up. It was a good costume. It was pretty popular. I think the ladies liked it too. Uh, but I don't know if I can do that for a costume around here because, I mean, that's just normal attire in Texas. I don't think I can do that two years in a row. Yeah, no, I don't think you can. I think what you should do if you haven't done it yet. Andy I have Reed. not chosen my Halloween costume yet. I'm open to all ideas. Andy Reid, man. If you haven't done it yet, I think you should do Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> you have the Chiefs gear. You have the Chiefs gear. All you got to do is put a fake mustache and a hat. You're you're good. Yeah, I'd have to gain a few pounds, too. Uh, <laughs> put some pillows around you. All right. Andy Reid, got- that, could, that could be done. Uh, there's nothing scary about Andy Reid. It'd just be funny. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that could be a good idea. What, what, are, uh, what are some of your favorite Halloween costumes you've been over the years? Oh, let's see here. Um, I've been like the officer from Stranger Things, and man, let's see what else. I don't think I haven't really dressed up a lot, honestly. I, I now that I think about it, like um, I think one time I was I was uh, I was a Top Gun guy, Tom Cruise off that. Okay, um, but that's about it. Like I, I didn't really, I haven't really gone to a lot of crazy parties and done the whole dressing up thing um you know i've always kind of been late to the party kind of thing if if that and just kind of shown up to a friend's thing and just been there but what about you uh so i uh i've been i've been kevin durant before when he was with the thunder (laughs) the uh the uh, the short uh, native Kevin Durant, I guess you could say. Uh, <laughs> I've been an army soldier before. Uh, what probably the the my my two favorite ones like growing up, Jose. Uh, one year, I think I was in like first or second grade, and my mom dressed me up as Zorro. Uh, <laughs> and I, she like got me a plastic sword and everything to bring to school. Um, and I was Zorro and (laughs) what was really funny too was I think those Zorro movies were like rated R or PG-13 whatever (laughs) they mean definitely not appropriate for a first grader or whatever and I'd watch those movies and my mom dressed me up as Zorro and I'm sure there were some parents like really Zorro or second grader Um, I I had the cool mom as you can tell Um, oh yeah also, one year, another year, I little my dad. He used to sell. He used to sell cars. He, uh, he was a finance director for a Ford dealership, and uh, he always, you know, brought his briefcase to work and you know dressed up in suit and tie. One year, uh, I I went to work uh, or I went to dress up for Halloween as my dad. Um, as a little kid, uh, that was—I remember that was my idea too. And then another year, 2008, when uh, the presidential election was going on between McCain and Obama, 
Uh, and then Hillary was in that election that year too. Uh, my friends, we were in you know junior high, whatever. We went as McCain, Obama, and Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which oh. one were you? <laughs> I was I was John McCain uh, that year. Yeah, no, you weren't Hillary. <laughs> I was not Hillary. No. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, oh man, that would have been, been terrifying. Yeah, me and Hillary. No, no one wanted that. Um, but you know, I, I, I love Halloween. I'll, I'll say this, Jose. Uh, you know, um, there's a crowd of folks out there that act like Halloween is, you know, satanic or you know this evil holiday or whatever it may be. I mean, just have fun, people. I mean, eat some candy, yeah. up a bit. I mean. You don't need to make anything out of it that it isn't, you know, and just an excuse to have a good time as far as I'm concerned. Oh, for sure. I mean, you definitely hear the news about, you know, people saying, oh, watch out with your kids, you know, possibly getting some drugs in their candy like we, for instance. And it's like, you know that, you know, I, I personally don't smoke or do any of it, but, you know, I, I know that it's not cheap. Like, you know, I'm sure the, the, like no one's going to be buying, like, candy edibles, you know, and spending, like, hundreds of dollars on these edibles, you know, and, and giving them out. Like, I highly doubt that. But, um, you know, kind of remembering, you know, the best costume I would say that I've had is one time I did dress up as Alan from The Hangover. Okay. And, and I had the baby doll like in like on my chest and uh and so i went to uh halloween you know party ball in the ballroom out here in downtown one of the bars or something had a party and so I, I, that's what i was for one halloween i like that that uh that's cool uh very uh good uh good one there with uh with alan from the hangover i like that but Halloween, uh, one of my favorite holidays, and I'll be here in uh, just a couple of weeks. Uh, on that note, we got to go. Uh, Jose, thanks for jumping in, man, and, uh, and being with us this week. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We'll have to bring you back and do this again, my friend. No, definitely, Jones. Thanks for having me, man. Take care, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's uh, Jose Soto joining us. Big thanks to Jonathan Hutton for stopping by, uh, as well as uh, Coach Bo. Uh, you can always uh, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every uh, Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, facebook.com slash studio soapbox, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at studio underscore soapbox. Uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, and uh, Jones underscore report. You can find us there. That will do it for uh, the show this week, and uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Thomas Bridges will be back with us as well, and uh, we will see you then. For Jonathan Hutton, Jose Soto, uh, Brian O'Connor, I'm Tyler Jones for our entire crew. Sing so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.